0: Hello and welcome to episode 25 of Unlicensed Entertainment. I'm your host Carl Etner. Uh, just a, some new heads up for you guys coming up pretty soon. I'm going to be moving, so there might be a brief interruption of shows while we get internet everything set up in that new place. Uh, basically, my landlord is a dick, and he's kicking us out in the middle of a pandemic, which is all, what a what a, just a gentlemanly thing to do. And so we had to find a new place. So, so we're doing an unscheduled move. We didn't plan on moving. Wasn't an idea. We we're going to stay here for like two more years and then try to get a house. But, you know, that's the way it is when your landlord's a dick in the middle of a pandemic who realizes it's a renter's market right now or whoever owns the place can raise up the price of rent right now and be a dick about it. As long as no one's in the place, because if you have a set amount, you're allowed to raise the rent each year. So he's moving into our place, which is in our lease. And then he uh, which if you want to move in, we had to move, leave. And then he's going to, my my opinion, he's going to raise the price up and have someone else move in here. He's not really moving in here because he's a dick. Okay, so that that's just that's the news of what's going on at the moment. It's fucking horrible. But the good news is we have a returning guest who did a great episode very early in, on in the history of this podcast, which is only like a year old. Uh, but Gavin Morris is back on the show. Welcome back, Gavin. Hey, thanks for having me back on, man. Yeah, uh, I loved your episode. If people don't remember, uh, Gavin was on the episode for The Last of Us Part Two, where we really just delved into every beat of that game. Our podcast episode was about as long as a playthrough of The Last of Us Part Two. So,
1: uh I you say, check, this, you yeah, check it out. Check it out. Yeah, you must be wanting to have uh, to up your uh, your time your runtime on on your podcasts. For
0: oh no doubt. I mean. <laughs> We got we, before we started recording. We were just talking for a little bit before the show got started, and we started talking about the Last of Us Part Two again. And I think we wasted about twenty minutes more on talking yeah. about that before we even got recorded. So yeah, it's hard to hard for us to I keep it, it keep it brief.
1: No, in fact, let's just turn this podcast, into we're just going to talk about Last of Us Two again. Oh uh, uh, yeah, part, that, that part of Last of Us Part Two.
0: There we go. I mean, I there's a YouTube channel I I love that did multiple. Uh, episodes about The Last of Us Part Two, and I've watched them multiple times because I love getting into the in-depth analysis of The Last of Us. Oh, so yeah, it's, it's great. We could do that. My dad doesn't even play video games. Listen to the whole two-hour podcast of us talking about that. So he'd love it if we did that to him again.
1: That's, that's just the magic that I bring to podcasts. Oh yeah,
0: that's my that's my personality. I, I you know people flock to me. We don't give the people what they want. We give them what we want and force them to listen to it.
1: Give them what they need, Carl. Yes. This is what they need. The world is burning down. We should be playing games that
0: let us know that we don't really have it that bad. Or it makes you more depressed. Because oh. I feel depressed when I played that game. Like, it's really... <laughs> it, it's not a fun game. It's really not. It's, it's, a, it's a really good game.
1: It's kind of like, like people who watch movies like uh, like The Road or like, uh, Requiem for a Dream where it's like that... It's This is the best movie that I'll never see again. Oh yeah, sort of thing. Like, that's how I, I feel like a lot of people have that with that video game. It's Just it, this is the best video game that
0: I will never play again. Uh, that just, you brought up something. I got. I got. I have to tell a story now because you mentioned *Requiem for a Dream*. So I saw that movie okay. uh, for the first time maybe about uh, a little bit before I moved out. So maybe eleven years ago I saw it for the first time, and uh-huh. my my mom walked in. I was watching the living room. My mom walked in at the end on the ass to ass scene. Oh my which by the way at that time when i saw that i don't watch a lot of porn so like that scene came up i was yeah. like i had never thought about that before <laughs> but uh my mom was like what is this as like it's it's a requiem for a dream and she's like oh looks interesting and then she watched it right after i finished okay. like she came in from that scene it's like oh yeah this is something i need to watch <laughs> i mean it's hard to to think of a scene from that movie that's a good
1: scene for your mom to walk in on
0: but that's that would the, do the worst. Yeah. I mean, he's a that's good actually, it's a good director, but like it's just a weird scene to walk no, in again, on. not know what it is. Yeah. That is that's de- again, that's one of those movies that is a movie that I've actually only seen once. That was a, that was a really rough watch for me. It's weird it was I found it very entertaining. I didn't get the depression thing. Like I know it's fu- it's fucked up, but I could watch that movie sure. again. No problem. Yeah, no. It was I don't know what it
1: was because it's like it's not like I have a drug problem or anything like that. But it 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 wasn't that. It was just yeah. It was one of those like man, this is so depressing. I cannot watch this again.
0: Maybe I just perked um, up because of the ending. Maybe then, <laughs> that's why I wasn't depressed.
1: <laughs> oh, he got it. He gets it. Spoiler alert! He gets his arm chopped off. Ah, oh yeah, I
0: forgot about that. Fine. All I remember. I don't even remember anyone's fate. All I remember is ass to ass. That's like I've seen it once. <laughs> and that that stuck with me.
1: I also like the fact that your mom walked into hearing chantings of ass to ass. And I like the idea of you just sitting there going, hmm, I never thought of that. Like, oh good. He's taking notes. <laughs> I mean,
0: that's what I do. I, 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 I take, I don't, I didn't learn much from school. They don't teach you much nowadays. Sure. School systems are messed up. Yeah. I learned everything important from movies and TV. And I think I learned a lot you know from
1: what's that. Funny is I've actually thought about doing, it. I've thought about like writing a book on, on like things that I learned, not in real life, but things that I learned from the movies. I think, um, cause that actually is a thing. Like there's, I mean, I, I take a lot of inspiration from movies. I take a lot of like, oh, I didn't realize that was a thing. I didn't realize people did that.
0: And I think I took a lot of my moral compass from, from TV. I really do. Because yeah. Luckily back when I was a kid, TV was a little bit more wholesome. Like the nineties uh, hero <laughs> stuff was like, there was a hero and there were a the villains and that's it. You take sure. your morals from that, it's fine. By the time yeah. you get to the 2000s and stuff like yeah. The Shield and Sopranos were coming out, everything started yeah. getting a little bit more gray. Breaking you Bad, stuff like that. Into, uh, we're making the bad guy the, the main character. Yeah, sure. so l- luckily I got it at the right time, because if I grew up na- uh, like kids nowadays, I'd be a fucking horrible person. Drug dealer, murderer. Because I took my. that's where I get my values. I spend a lot of time with TV. Yeah, we should we should we should team up on a book together. Just okay. everything we learn learned from movies and TV. That sounds good. Oh, that, just cuz I, I just remember another fucked up thing with my mom and TV. So, I was watching uh South Park and this is something I learned from TV. Uh they were doing the episode where they're uh they were starting a band and they're like performing in the mall like a boy band thing or something like I can't uh-huh. remember boy band. They're in a band called Finger Bang. And okay, like, perfect. and uh, I, like my mom was laughing at that title and the are song. I was like, what's funny? What's finger bang? And so I learned because I was watching South Park with my mom, what a finger bang is.
1: <laughs> I think, I don't, I don't know if I have a story like that. I definitely have the, my go-to story of like my mom walking in on a movie is I was watching a Christmas story for the first time. I had never seen this. Oh, movie. kids shouldn't
0: watch that movie. It's very yeah. offensive. It's just like South Park. Yeah.
1: Right, the ass so, ass not, scene in
0: Christmas Story is fucked up.
1: I, it's, uh, yeah, it's why I've only watched the movie
0: once. He puts a so, red Ryder uh, beaded gun in his ass, and another kid's. <laughs> and they slam it, and then he pokes his eye out. So I don't
1: know. I don't know what was going on in my mom's head. For some reason, she messed. She mixed up a Christmas Story with The Shining. <laughs> so, so she comes out. It's Christmas time. I'm watching a Christmas story. I've never seen it. Everyone knows, you know, that TBS plays this thing back-to-back all the time or, or you know, whatever channel plays it back-to-back uh, every Christmas season. So I just finally was watching it and I think it was during the scene where he's taking out the leg lamp and everything. And, uh, and my mom comes out. She was getting ready for work. She sees me watching it and she, I, she thought it was The Shining and she goes, I don't know if this is really a good Christmas movie to be watching. And I went, <laughs> Well, I mean, it, it takes place during Christmas time. It's in the title. Yeah, why you would think it wouldn't be a good movie. And she goes, Isn't this the movie where, like, the dad tries to kill the whole family? And me not knowing she's talking about The Shining, I'm just like, He does?
0: I'd be this, so intrigued watching like,
1: it. Violent left turn. So the whole time, like, as soon as the mom breaks the leg lamp, I'm like, This is it. He's going to be This is the setup. Her. This was the breaking point. And I kept... So I am massively disappointed with the Christmas story now because the dad doesn't try to kill the whole family.
0: I mean, I'm going to be honest here. I think I brought it up before. I hate a Christmas story. I think your version would be much better. I would love if he killed <laughs> you know, that annoying family.
1: We should... I think we should make it. It's no It's no worse than any of the other nostalgia movies that are being made now of remakes of, you know... You know the, of course, of movies that were... Uh, we're getting now. you and know there was, like, a crappy up. sequel? I never seen that? it,
0: but there was a crappy sequel.
1: Oh, uh, uh yeah, it's, uh, like, My Summer Vacation. Yeah, something uh, like, like that. Yeah, it all hinges on, like, him winning, like, a spinning top battle. I I,
0: <laughs> I did not know that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that well, sounds it great.
0: Like, yeah, yeah that was, like, uh, Chris's Story meets Over the Top.
1: Yeah, it was just, like, I don't know how they... And it, it stopped there. I don't like after because after summer vacation and Christmas story, I don't know what we do. Like what you know? Well, like, they're how both Martin Luther King Jr. Well,
0: so Christmas, Christmas story, and both summer vacation are both times when he's not in school. They're vacation stories. Oh, fair So, okay, so we'll spring get, break,
1: spring break, and listen, I mean, again, child of the '90s, spring break was a major deal. Yeah. So, you know, I think we could have a great time with him. You know, his family goes to Cancun thinking it's going to be great. And then suddenly it's just a bunch of dancing girls in bikinis.
0: Or they don't know what Mardi Gras is. Cause they're not very cultured and they go That's to nice. new Orleans. Yep. There we go. I think that okay. would be amazing. We're,
1: writing, we're making magic here. Yeah. Or we could write all of these.
0: Yeah, I know. And I'm surprised. Like I'm no, all of Hollywood listens to my podcast. I mean, I have about five <laughs> listeners. and It has to be all of Hollywood. So I, I'm surprised I, they haven't optioned any of these ideas.
1: I, I
0: hope all of Hollywood listens because I, I
1: know what we're gonna be talking about later on in this podcast, and I've got some messages for them that they need to listen to.
0: Okay, all right. I so,
1: just,
0: oh. so let's get into the the meat of the podcast. This is this is yeah, a, a fun it. opening, not not anything against it, but let's get into uh, the our segments that I have set up. Uh, sure. So something I've been doing for the last four or five episodes is uh, I've been giving thoughts uh, thoughts uh, on programs that I've watched. They give me kind of discussion topics on things. Uh, okay. So. Uh, I have about four that I've been thinking about. One is I've been watching a show, the unicorn uh, It stars. Okay. Walton Goggins It's basically about a guy whose wife died. And now he's like, you know, raising his kids and getting back out there dating again. It's a sitcom. It's a, it's a comedy, not a funny. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I love that. But anyway, it stars, uh, Rob Corddry's in it. Uh, it's got a good, decent cast. Um, It's okay, but this is not a review Mm -hmm. part of the show. But anyways, the show starts off. It's been a year since his wife has died, and his friends are like, you need to get out there and go dating. I mean, he's been with his wife for like, he was with his wife for 20 years. She just died. She died a year ago. He has $2. One's 14 and one's 12 And they're like, get out there and start dating. And I kind of recoiled at that.
1: It sounds rough. Have you thought about just getting
0: over it? You know? I thought that was a little bit weird to do. How long do you think we're both married both sure hopefully happily uh yeah. <laughs> how long after your wife dies do you think it's okay for you to start dating oh see
1: and this is this is interesting because this is actually something that i have thought about i'm not gonna lie um yeah I've, I've had that same thought of like yeah if something were to happen and you know if my wife were to die when when would i would i uh, uh start dating again and if i'm being quite honest i'm not trying to be you know my wife's not even home she can't hear me right now i i honestly don't think i would i think this is you know i i'm one of those people that that uh was just like no this is i i think of like uh uh robin williams in goodwill hunting mm-hmm. uh, i don't know if seen, but the, yes the, yeah.
0: it's not your fault
1: you know it's not your there's, fault there's a... it's <laughs> not your fault don't don't say it to me, it's not don't your fault um, <laughs> there's, but there is a scene where, where I can't remember if it's, if it's Stellan Skarsgård or if it's Matt Damon, one of them asks Robin Williams character, like if he's, if he's gone on a date or if he's, I think it's Matt Damon, uh, says, have you gone on a date? And, and Robin Williams just says, my wife is dead. And he goes, yeah, but have you gone on a date since then? And Robin Williams just repeats, my wife is dead. Like I pretty much just insinuating, like I'm done, I'm done with that. And I honestly think that would be, at least for for a good long while, that would be me. I'm just like, well, okay, then I'm done. I don't need to, because I, I, for no other reason, then that's going to be, I think it's unfair to whoever else I would date because I would be comparing them to my my dead wife.
0: Yeah, you know? I think that's definitely a case. But it'd be like, uh, I, I think it's different though. Uh, I think eventually, uh, as long as you're like, sexually uh viable person if you're still like active down there with the hormones and stuff like that if you're still young well, enough I, I think i gotta say I, as always i appreciate that you see me as a sexually viable person that's, yeah no no problem I've i i think you we would eventually date again i think it's hard to think about that because you know sure. you don't want to think about life without that person but i think eventually you would yeah, so i mean and you know like, you like know what's interesting is, okay sir go go ahead. Oh, i
1: was just gonna say what what's interesting is that it's completely opposite from if I were to, I am also one of those people that if I were to die, I would want my wife to be happy, even if it's, if that's with someone else. And I think some of that stems from the whole, you know, I, I have a firm belief that, you know, I, I'm married up, she settled for me. So I know there's better people out there for her. And I hope she finds one of them
0: if I'm no longer here. Okay. Um, or, you know, if she wants to become a nun that one of the two, Okay, but I gotta ask you something. Just because because you're in a just because you're in a happy relationship, does not mean you're yeah. no longer able to notice women, right? Do you still find women yeah. attractive? So you don't think that eventually, if you start getting attention after your wife died and it's been a while, uh-huh. you don't think uh-huh. you, you can find yourself going back out there again? I think it's ridiculous that guys uh-huh. go like like oh I only only look at my wife. I don't believe you. I don't believe you if you say that. If you're if you're a male. You're gonna be attracted to other women as long as you don't not, do anything or put yourself in weird situations. It's okay to admit sure. that you find other women attractive. I no no no. I absolutely find other other women attractive. Um, I would say I'm just gonna send send that sound clip to your wife. I absolutely <laughs> find other women attractive.
1: But yeah, that's my new ringtone. Um, yeah, no. Uh, I think that uh, I think it would it would definitely be more of a like a gradual thing where I may, you know, there'll be obviously the morning period, however long that may be. I don't think there will be a point where I go, okay, I'm ready to date again. I think it'll be more of a, I'm going out with friends. Someone's interested. Maybe we hook up. We have a, you know, whether it's a one night stand or or a, a continuing thing, but it's not a serious relationship. And, and, you know, it might be something different. You know, I think of like, uh, uh, Patton Oswald. Patton Oswalt, uh, you know, famously, his wife uh, suddenly passed away. I think he was remarried within, like, a year. And yeah. And it was, if I'm not mistaken, it was to a woman who was in his... She knew his wife. It was, yeah, it, it was, it was, a, a, I don't know if it was a woman that was in his group. He went to, like, a, a, like a widower's support group or something mm-hmm. like that. I don't know if she was in that. I want to say she was. I could be completely wrong on that. But either way, like, within the year... After his wife died, he was already remarried. So and there was absolutely
0: people, nothing wrong with that, too. People were all no, I, a, a, angry at him and angry at her, which I actually like her a lot. I follow her on Twitter. Uh uh-huh. But uh, I was like, as long as if you're able if you're able to move on and still sure. respect the person that you're with, and he obviously does, uh, then yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with going back out there. It just wouldn't be my time. No, yet.
1: absolutely not. And, and honestly, even to get even more personal, I mean, my my father went through that. I mean, he was married. He's been married a bunch of times, actually. Um, he after he and my mom uh, were divorced, he remarried uh, uh, with another woman who passed away. And after she passed away, you know, he kind of did the same thing. He went into the whole grieving period. It got real, real dark. And you know, but from that, he is now. Uh, remarried to a woman that uh, is great is great for him, and uh, uh, they're completely happy together. Uh, they've been together for for years and years. So, uh, and I honestly think he'll he'll be with her for the rest of their days. Um, so yeah, it's it's completely, you n- you never know what's going to happen, but I I personally yeah I can't imagine myself ever having a moment going directly from the grieving process to. Okay, now I need
0: to put myself back out there. I think it would. I think it would be more of a gradual effect. Oh yeah, most definitely. But just like how long you think everything like that. I put up a system. I've been thinking oh, about this okay. a lot. And I talked about with this with my wife, who she's like hers is she's gonna bring, sure, she's gonna bring a date to the funeral. But I have a little bit. I'm longer. sure
1: Kasha appreciates the fact that you've been thinking about this a lot. Oh too. no,
0: because well no, because I I talk I talk about uh, which sometimes hurts the show. I talk to her about things that I want to talk about on the show. So I got we talked about this the other oh. night. And she's like, oh, yeah, I'm bringing a date to the funeral. But uh, for me, I was like, "Uh, for, here's the rules. If you're like from my age, from like, you know, from your 20s to about uh-huh. 60, five years. You have to wait five years okay. before you're out there again. When you get 60, you're getting a little bit closer to death. And I don't think people want to die alone. So you cut that in half, two and a half years. You get to 70, six months. And then after that, and then like, once it starts getting going really just if you're going through wives like every month after that point you're you're close to death just get another one because you don't want to die alone at that point it's just about company it's not like you're humping like crazy you're you just want some companionship in your life so it just it's like it's it gets like easier at the age it's a, it's a
1: nice it's a nice rule it's kind of like the the rule of uh, what is it uh, half your age plus 7 is the proper age to date
0: yeah, I think that's right.
1: Something like that, like, Yeah, yeah. so if you're, if you're 20, you can date a 17-year-old, but after that, you know, you know I'm, I'm using you know, simple math here, but I, th- I think that's the rule. So, yeah, I like the idea of, like, if you've been married this long, you get
0: five years of mourning, and then... No, no, not married, not married. This is your actual age.
1: Oh, your actual age! Because the closer oh, you
0: I are know, to I death, know. you have less time left to find somebody to be with, so you really don't have time to waste mourning. If you're that close to death, you just need to get another one in there. See, yeah, <laughs> you gotta get some more notches on that belt. Well, not I mean, that you just don't want to die alone. I'm thinking, like, if you're in your 80s and you're like, okay, I gotta find another woman, you're not looking for sex. You're just looking for companionship.
1: Well, well and this is also getting into that whole uh, that whole thing of isn't it like married people live longer than single people? So if you're if you're in your 80s and your spouse dies, you're living on borrowed time now. Well, you got to get married to get quick, or else. You're about to get
0: out. Especially yeah. if you're like one of those couples that have been together since for like 50, 60 years or something like that. Those people tend yeah. to go like one person dies and then like shortly after another person, they go right after like yeah, two weeks because later. They
1: didn't get remarried. Yeah. They didn't get so remarried. So like,
0: once your partner dies and you're in your 80s, you have a ticking clock to get married to you're that's, dead. You have like what
1: Two, I'm this is two weeks max. Starts.
0: You got to like drive to Vegas and just look for someone that needs a green card and get it done that day. <laughs>
1: This is. I feel like we're describing like the next, uh, the next season of like Ninety Day Fiance or something. I was thinking like the next uh, Morgan
0: Freeman old man movie.
1: (laughs) This was his bucket list too. Yeah,
0: exactly. I love it. All right.
1: It's a a tremendous. It's a tremendous theory. I think there's. I actually think there's something to that.
0: Oh yeah, of course there is. Because I'm a genius. All right. (laughs) So here's something else I was thinking about. Oh, another thought from Uber, not from uh, from Uber, from uh, Unicorn. I'm gonna talk about Uber now. Okay, so in the in this show, uh, there's a scene where uh, he's on a date with a woman. Doesn't go well. She calls an Uber, and then like right when the Uber shows up, he goes out there, and apologizes, and tries to get fix everything up, and oh, yeah. being all charming, and like Uber driver's just there, and they're just talking and talking and talking. It's like a two minute scene with Uber there, and I was wondering if it's just me. Or do you get, a, does anybody else get anxiety from other people's rudeness in TV shows, even if it doesn't affect a real person? Like, I'm looking at that Uber driver. I'm like, guys, you gotta get in the car. The Uber driver's there. He needs to make money. And I was getting, I was yeah. actually getting, like, stress feeling in my stomach. Like, suspense. From a scene that's not supposed to be suspense, suspense, bleh, suspenseful, it's supposed to be sweet. And I, was, I could not pay attention because I was so distracted by how rude they're being to their Uber driver.
1: I can, yeah. I definitely. I think there's something to that. I, I think for me, it's not something I see all the time. But there have been times, like in in movies, where like you see people like having a conversation in the elevator with other people in the elevator, and I'm just like, why are you talking? There's no talking in the elevator.
0: Like, <laughs> I never knew just that rule.
1: Stare forward. You stare forward, and you wait for your floor. Like just that's it. The only words that should be spoken in an elevator are like, I got it when someone's running for the door or what floor, when you're already pressing the buttons. And I feel like that's it. Like, and, and, and honestly, my, my dad has done that before where I, you know, we've been staying at a hotel or something. He loves, he loves to strike up conversations with strangers. And so we'll be in an elevator with people that we don't know and he'll just, you know, Hey, how's your day going? And stuff like that. And I cannot stand it. I don't know what it is. I just don't like talking in elevators. And it, so yeah, anytime I see that in a movie, I
0: just, I, oof, I've I'm never, really I never knew that was a thing. I thought it was perfectly fine to talk to people in elevators, but okay. Uh, but yeah, I get, so you're in the same we thing. Need to talk to you about that, Carl. I also look at like people, I don't talk to people in elevators cause I hate people. I just didn't know it was a thing. <laughs> uh, but like, I see people like leave doors open or not close a fridge soon enough or just uh-huh. the weird things that just seem rude in real life. That I'm like, that they just don't think about, and I get anxiety. It's, and it's hanging stupid up without
1: saying goodbye.
0: I get it's that because when you've seen a movie with that, which is usually like low budget, it looks oh. bad. Like, they do that because it's sure. not necessary dialogue. And it's weird if you'd oh, be, no, I, it'd be fucking weird in real life if you did that, just hung up, like, I didn't know the conversation was over. Because yeah, everyone like, knows, like, when the conversation's over in a movie, they don't need to say, okay. That was yeah, good to yes, talk to you. It's yes, just like,
1: has happened. now we need to
0: move on. Yeah, so, yeah. exactly. It's so weird. Yeah.
1: I think, I don't know if I get anxiety to that. I do get, there are moments where I get like, like definite amounts of, of rage in my system where I just, I think one of the big ones that annoys the crap out of me, one of those, one of those movie tropes or whatever is anytime someone speaks with any amount of, of techno babble or, or jargon of any sort, usually sciencey in nature reverse but the polarity the person, yeah who, whoever is the the main character or the cool character is going yeah. to say in english like say yeah. no, no no what is that like speak english but blah, blah, blah. i cannot stand that i don't know what like i just it's such a weird like anti-educated thing yeah that, that they put in there I always want the other person to be like motherfucker I am speaking English like, you need to get up to my level here How about well, you spend 4 years at Stanford and then we'll talk
0: you know Or they could go like sorry I don't understand that you put in a way I can understand rather than just being snide about it
1: Yeah it's a real like it's it's a weird trope of of like this anti-educated like you know the the educated or this elite group and no they don't understand the whole you know and I'm not saying that I'm one of those people. I'm as dumb as they come, but I I just don't understand the whole. We need to know what to do. Tell me what to do. And the person starts saying it, and then they go in English. Like, come on, yeah. buddy.
0: Unless the unless the main character is really smart and respected, then the smart yeah. person usually looked down upon. Like House could say whatever the fuck he wants and be as techno uh, be as uh, medical speaking as possible. No one cares because House, you're not oh, going to treat oh, him with disrespect. Oh, oh. But if you got like if there's like a sidekick character who's kind of a, who's mm-hmm. smart, they're like, oh, he's the goofy smart guy. That we gotta treat yeah. a little disrespectfully.
1: Oh, it's yeah, it's especially true if there's like if it's like a spy movie or something, and you've got like the tech guy and then you've got the guy that beats up all the bad guys. The the Watch it, you're guy. talking about
0: you're getting close to to my area of love here. you <laughs> Don't talk shit on James I Bond. Been, well I've been no no no, I've been watching I've been rewatching uh uh
1: Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and I would say... Oh, I love that years. show. I, we literally just finished season four last night of the whole Life Model Decoys and Darkhold yeah, and yeah. all that with Ghost Rider and all that. Good Lord, that was my... It's my first time going through the entire show, and I I turned to my wife last night and said, that is the, the best season of the show so far. I think the next at-
0: season... It, it split. There's two stories in the next season. I think the first half oh. of the next season you're on is the best. Perfect. Good to hear.
1: I, I just but I I, I I would say at least once a season they have a moment where like Fitz or Simmons will start saying you know we need to do this X x, x and y and blah, blah 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 and then like sky or or uh, uh, Her name's Holton, Daisy or, or I'm sorry you, you are <laughs> correct well I just finished season four she was sky for half of that season too because you know they're in the the matrix uh but uh yeah one of one of the people who's the muscle of the team is gonna go, in English, guys, and I, oh, my God, every single time they say, it, I really just want Fitz or Simmons to speak. Oh, I'm sorry, has my seven years of, of upper education, like, offended you? That, you know, well, tell you what, you guys handle it. You're right. I'm just going to sit over here not speaking English,
0: English. I mean, to be fair, most of the people that say that outrank them, so I don't think they could, but yeah, definitely.
1: <laughs> I just, no, I don't, I, yeah, I can't think of any time that I get, I get more anxiety on that, but,
0: but I definitely have moments of rage. Uh, here's one that I didn't write down, but for some reason something we're talking about reminded me of this, is uh, that uh, do you ever watch like detective shows or anything like that? I mean, I have in the past. I, I
1: wouldn't say any of the shows I'm watching now are detective shows, but yeah.
0: Okay, so I recently finished watching all 12 seasons of NYPD Blue. Great show. Okay. Uh, sure. And but there's a problem with with cop shows is that. Sometimes it's hard to tell if the person seems like untrustworthy because the character is supposed to be untrustworthy or if they're a bad actor and they're not portraying themselves correctly. You ever notice that problem? Like I like I don't trust this guy. He doesn't seem like seem authentic. I'm like, wait, is that the character? Is he just a shitty actor? It's very distracting when you're trying to figure out who the bad guy is like. I have no idea. You ever had that?
1: Huh, I don't know. Because they, like, they have like
0: a case, they have like three cases they solve per episode and the the perps uh-huh. that they bring in there is very just, there's, there's some great actors in there but there's also some shitty ones. It's so distracting trying to figure out the killer is with a shitty actor.
1: I, that's a, wow, that's a good point. I'm not sure, I would say the closest I come to that is, I remember when, when quarantine and stuff first started, I went through a kick of, I realized that like, I think all of, uh, of uh, Law and Order SVU was on. I think it was on Amazon, and uh, I was like, "Oh, you know, I haven't, I haven't watched it from the beginning." I mean, I, I grew up in America, especially in the late '90s, early 2000s, when I think there was uh, not a point in, in every day that there wasn't Law and Order on some channel. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so I, I, you know, just like everyone else, you could, you could have. Uh, there was a point in time where you could have Law and Order on your TV. 24-7, whether it's SVU or criminal intent or whatever.
0: Or regular, yeah. Um,
1: yeah, or regular ones or... Yeah, any of them. So I, uh, I I started watching it from the beginning, and what I did notice is I definitely noticed a lot of bad acting because they had um, so many, like, uh, uh, suspects or witnesses, like, people who's, like, a friend of a friend of someone who saw someone go into the bar and stuff like that. So... They had a lot of people who were just who were trying to get into acting. You could tell, and you know, had nailed their audition or something, or the casting director just realized, "Hey, we just need someone to say these five lines and then move the detective onto the next thing." So I've definitely had those moments where I'm like, "Oh, this person knows more than what they're than what they're saying," and they're going, "Oh no, they're just they're just a really bad actor who's going, I need to nail this scene so that I can put it onto my acting reel." Yeah, exactly. Like you're just chewing the scenery, like trying to. The best way I could describe it is like uh, uh, you've have you watched you've watched The Mandalorian, yes?
0: Uh, first season.
1: Okay, perfect, perfect. So, uh, in the first season, it's the first uh, episode where uh, they see uh, Cara Dune when when The Mandalorian takes uh, Baby Yoda or or you know or whatever you want to call him. Uh, they they go to like a, a bar on this planet it's the same planet that, like the the there's a whole like peaceful village and they keep getting yeah by, i remember by that hand. one so yeah so they're the person who's like the bartender slash server at this at the bar watch that scene again i cannot stand my wife is the same way we both watched it and we re-watched it and both times we're just like good god this woman is the worst thing in the entire show because she's just like hey how's it going how you doing like you know you know, well, let me get to some of the, uh, play to this. And it's it's just like, it, she's completely trying to own the scene and you just wanted, uh, I don't know if it was directed by John Favreau or Falodi or or who it was, but you just wanted the director to step aside with them and go, I cannot emphasize enough how much this scene isn't about you. <laughs> you just need,
0: like, just say your lines and go back to your hole. that's it. That's I, love, you do. I love looking for, not even just people that have a few lines in a scene, I love looking at extras where I'm like, they're be they're trying to be noticeable here like you'll see oh, people like absolutely. nodding too hard to a speech or just like yeah. the way they walk is like they saunter across the room and they just weren't sure. cut out because they weren't paying attention i love looking in the background for background artists art, art, so like oh,
1: this is my break
0: there's uh
1: actually just something i watched uh the other night that uh one of my favorite things is so when uh you know when you're when you're doing filming scenes in like a nightclub or something like that. You know that when they're actually filming them, they don't really have the music playing. Yeah, that's because so, so they, they can actually
0: have conversations because nightclubs so you can't can have, have conversation. a conversation.
1: Right. So they add the they add the music in later. So <laughs> one of the things I watched recently was Guardians of the Galaxy two, and during the very first scene that you see uh, Yondu. You know, he and all the Ravagers are on this uh, alien, but it looks, kind of looks like a brothel or some sort of nightclub. And it starts with him, like, you know, kind of up in his room. He's supposedly just had sex with some sex bots or something like that, some alien people. And he goes downstairs. He's about to see uh, Sylvester Stallone's character. And Sylvester Stallone's about to tell him, like, oh, you're out of the Ravagers and blah, blah, blah. During that scene, if you watch the background actors, some of the girls, like the yellow robot sex slave people, are like swaying their hips and kind of moving. There is no music playing. And I really do have half a mind of like, oh my god, did they just tell them like, yeah, we're going to be adding music later, so like, you know, be dancing around and stuff. And then they just, they're like, ah, no, this works without music. But you can still see extras in the background, totally like swaying around, moving to music that is not there
0: at all. That's awesome. I'll have to look at that when I next watch that movie. Yeah. All right. I have Two more. Let's let's still do these. We're, this is taking longer to get through these than usual, but I like my topics. Okay, so my wife and I, we didn't finish it because she fell asleep, uh, but we were starting to watch that movie, Freaky, with Vince Vaughn. Okay. And oh, in, I haven't seen it yet, I want to. No, I'm not giving anything that wasn't spoiled yeah, no worries, Done no worries, in, the, in the trailer. I, I don't
1: think it's going to be the next Citizen Kane. So. No, it's yeah, made by,
0: it's by the same people who made Happy Death Day, and it kind of feels in that vein. Sure. Uh, but in this movie, uh, Catherine Hahn not Catherine Hahn. Catherine Newton, um, uh, that plays a, a high school girl and she's bullied and stuff like that even though she's very pretty and one of the yeah. reasons why is because her dad died and I'm just like I realize bullies in TV shows and movies are like the weirdest reasons to make fun of people Like someone that, like her that looks like her would not be bullied in high school they would go like oh this person's dad died I'm going to make fun of this pretty girl Like that's not a reason someone's a loser in high school it's like they have to find a weird justification why, because they want to have a pretty lead, but they also want to have someone that that deals with bullies, because you know that's a good motiv- motivation for the character. So like, oh, we'll kill the dad, and this they're made fun of for having a dead parent, and that happens all the time. There are so many there's kids. Not, there's
1: not like a, yeah. There's not like any high schooler sitting there going, "Hey, you're kind of a dick for making like, dude, their dad died."
0: Yeah. Like, they can't really help what that. Like they just make a joke yeah. about, Oh, you're, you're upset because your dad's not here to, to kiss your boo-boo or some shit like that. Dad's dead. Okay. Why are you making fun of that? That doesn't happen in real life. I was bullied in school. You know why? Sure. Cause I was a whiny twerp. <laughs> like they're, I hate, they have to you, I
1: hate to tell you this, Carl. You, you might still be a whiny. No,
0: yeah, no, no, that. no. But now I'm, a, I'm, I'm a adult. I wasn't, I'm not bullied in school anymore. I'm yeah, bullied as an sure. adult. It's very different. But like oh, yeah. But like you see people like maybe that they're they're they look different than everybody else or they have some weird thing that's that's wrong with them that kids are horrible and they will make fun of that stuff. Mm-hmm. But a pretty girl who has a dead parent will never be bullied. It's just not a thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's
1: that's it's a fair point. I think this is the new like you remember in like the nineties, early two thousands, they did the whole like well, this is a this is an unattractive slash nerdy person. Well, how do you know that? Well, because they're wearing glasses.
0: Exactly, and those you
1: know, two- it's the she's all that we're gonna make her hot. How? Well, we just took her off her glasses and put her in a dress, and it turns out she's she's hot and popular.
0: Man. I mean, that's been movies forever. It's just it's so weird. Yeah. Like even like uh, go back and watch Married with Children. Dave Faustino is made fun of and is treated like like trash, and Bud yeah. Bundy is not an ugly person like right. i would like to be as good looking as bud bundy was but like he's treated like trash and it's just like yeah. i want to be tv ugly in real life like tv lead ugly because <laughs> like there there are there are ugly people like on those shows and stuff like that in the background as extras and stuff but no one pays attention to them yeah. they pay attention to the, yeah. the pretty lead who who just is not popular because the script says so you know what's funny is
1: i've actually had like i you know i have a, a history of. of Doing you know plays and theater and stuff like that, and there there have been uh, uh, roles that I've gotten that I have full I will fully admit I did not get that I shouldn't have had them based off of my looks. Um, you know I, I I have no problem saying like I don't have a leading man look. I look like the leading man's best friend. I look like the guy you know. I'm the goofball. I'm the I maybe uh, depending on the, the the role maybe I could play the bad guy. Maybe but Hagrid. I'm not, you know, yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. I'm not, I'm not going to, again, leading man's best friend. I'm going to be, I'm going you know, I'm going to be the, the, the sidekick and stuff like that. Yeah. I'm not leading man, but I, I definitely had roles where it's like, Oh yeah, no, no one, you know, especially like uh, doing uh, uh, Shakespearean plays. I've had experience doing that. So when you're uh, dealing with a bunch of people who haven't done it, the I have no problem saying the director put me in uh, the roles that, he or she did based solely on my experience and not off of you know off of looks so i have a weird thing of because of that uh, you know i think you've had some experience with this too of uh you know actors tend to be kind of cruel to each other so i you know whoever the lead is all the other actors are sitting there and saying you know oh i could be doing this better i could be doing this better than this person yeah so i've definitely I've definitely had rules where I've ironically been bullied because of my abilities as an actor. Like, so it's a weird thing of like, why the fuck are we even making fun of me for this? So it's kind of the same thing. It's I've been bullied for weird things, like, but I, I at the same time i have been like, I can't believe we're bullying someone. Yeah, for but that. at
0: least I can see the motivations there. There's jealousy that's making you do that. Sure, but like, yeah, no I, one's jealous of her dead dad.
1: Yeah, it's a fair point. I I don't know if I'm trying to think of a good example that I, the one that I kind of think of is the um like the bullying that Flash gives to uh, Peter Parker in the new uh, Tom Holland uh, Spider-Man yeah. movies. And it's like I I understand Flash is the the bully. going back to the original Spider-Man comics, Flash has always been you know Peter Parker's bully. But when you're also setting the 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 movie in a, a a high school that's for like kids who who are are more um, more adept at like the sciences, it's hard to do. You know, hey nerd, it's like, well, dude, you're at the same high school as me. What are you talking about? Like, yeah, we're all we're all there. So they they, I know they tried to make it more of a maybe. Flash is is. A, a, jealous of or envious of it's more of, of a competitive uh, thing abilities. yeah it's more of a competitive thing so i'm trying to think of, of, of any examples i can i can of bullying for for like just weird reasons like that i mean granted i think if you look at any kind of bullying close enough you're gonna go really that's but it's
0: that's almost uh, like if you watch i'm really bad at coming examples unless i sure. got inspired by a topic while watching it But, like, Mm -hmm. if you watch almost any coming-of-age story, most of Mm -hmm. them are bullied, and most of the bullying doesn't make sense. It's just because it has to happen.
1: Well, even the whole... uh, (laughs) I remember, gosh, maybe about 10 years or so ago, um, uh, WWE started doing a whole, like, uh, uh, anti-bullying campaign. Meanwhile, they were doing storylines that, like, completely hinged on like bullying, like someone being picked on by a bad guy. That's kind of what wrestling all is, is, you know, a good guy being picked on somehow by a bad guy. And they even had, there's a wrestler named CM Punk who kind of called it out and said like, I mean, you know, talk about this anti-bullying campaign, like Vince McMahon, the owner of WWE, is famous for being a bully, like to, to everyone. That's just what he does. But they're, you know, doing this whole anti-bullying campaign Again, it's when you look close enough at any kind of you know bullying situation, you go, Really? We're we're doing this?
0: We're bullying? Okay. I think if you if you were you were never bullied, I think it's harder for you to notice the weirdness of it. But as someone who, who was, I think look at almost every single high school uh or movie or TV show and it's was just like I don't mm-hmm. believe it because they make it such a big point. But the, the motivation's almost are never there. That's all it's just oh. I thought I'd just point that out. All right. Yeah,
1: absolutely.
0: And then another thing I found. Uh, okay, so I recently started. Uh, I'm gonna probably quit, but I I recently started rewatching a TV show that I used to love back when it was on, and now I'm watching um, it like decades later, and it sure. is terrible. It's just shoot me. Uh, the the show with oh, David yeah, Spade really and George Segal, sure, sure. and I used to yeah. love this show, and it is painfully um, bad and super sexist <laughs> and super uh, like sexual predatory and just. Just so, like uh-huh. it's very much a product of its time I don't I, I don't hold it against them because people were fine with the humor back then but like yeah like David Spades character is trying to be a rapist basically it's just horrible uh but sure. and also like they have like a a model who like I think would be a compelling character to do a sitcom where uh there is an aging model who's like whole life is insecurity about you know she's no uh-huh. longer she was pretty all her life now she has to deal with the fact. That that's not her life anymore. Her, but yeah, they just make
1: yeah.
0: yeah. But they just make it like oh, let's just do bulimic jokes and, and uh, stuff like that. Let's just make fun of mental health problems. So age is bad. Yeah. Yeah. But um, but what I was thinking is like watch a show like some sitcoms, even laugh track sitcoms, four camera sitcoms, can do like seem like real people in these situations, even if they throw in some jokes. But this one is just mm-hmm. every line is like we're setting up a punchline. You can see it in the way I'm talking, kind of thing. As, like, uh-huh. how hard would it be if you were suddenly transported into the world of a four-camera sitcom and had to live in their world? It'd be stressful. Just imagine, like, okay, everyone has a good line. If you don't have a good line, then you are the guy that gets made fun of. That's all you would be is the butt of the joke. I'm not witty enough. Nobody's witty enough to survive 24-7 in a sitcom world and be able to keep up with everybody else. Plus, the yeah, other this weird thing where, like, imagine if, like, You know, you're hanging out with people and you sit on the side where the audience is sitting so your back is to them. Everyone's going to look at you weird because no one sits on that side of the table. Everyone knows where they're supposed to stand. So just you would do everything wrong in this world.
1: That is actually something, that's something that I've thought about that you just kind of touched on is, you know, we talk so much about the, you know, breaking the fourth wall and and, and stuff like that. And that's a big thing in acting, obviously, is, is, you know, breaking the fourth wall. And one of the, the, um, acting techniques I remember doing back in the day was what does the fourth wall look like? You know, your character doesn't know there's a fourth wall here or there's an audience here, I should say. They, they would see the fourth wall. What does that look like? That's something you you kind of just touched on that, that I've constantly wondered while watching different uh, uh, sitcoms or anything like that is what does, what does that wall look like in like, you know, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air or what what is behind the television in Rosine? Like, you know, you yeah. can see the TV in the living room. I have no idea what is behind that television. Is it just pictures? Is there a window? You know, same with with Married with Children. You know, I think there's a few times where you see because I know you see the television, like but, what you yeah. are watching. So that might not be a good example, but there, I think I mean, they zoom in on I the TV. Yeah. So, but there are, there are plenty of sitcoms where you don't, yeah, you don't see the fourth and just shoot me is another one where what is on that, that fourth wall that people, you know, constantly have their backs to. Yeah. Or I'm sorry, have their, are facing. And then there's gotta be someone who's not facing that way and just feeling like everyone's just
0: looking at me. Well, I just think in that world, if you were actually going to the sitcom, everyone's used to these rules, they know to pause after they tell a joke. Even though if you were in that world, you wouldn't hear the laughter. Like being like a regular person in that oh, yeah. world, you wouldn't be able to function.
1: Or if there's a if there's a real uh uh like popular person, every time they enter the room, they just stand there.
0: Yeah. Like, like the Mary with seconds Children way. entrances are, would be so yeah. weird without the laugh track. Or the the the, the audience wooing.
1: The Fawn says a really weird thing where he does something cool and then he just stands there for 30 seconds and just <laughs> We all just look at them. No one moves.
0: I mean, I've seen those clips on uh, online. They take like uh, two and a half men, and they release, they uh, get rid of the, the laugh track, and you see i fucking... I've seen it with the Big
1: Bang Theory.
0: Yeah. Yikes. Yeah, it just seems fucking awkward. But or, or like they have Friends with a laugh track, and just like you see yeah. them, like they they're showing their thoughts. So they like, zoom yeah. in on their head, and like like they they, see, and they just look fucking creepy because you don't have the the inside yeah. dialogue, but like actually be like. So I think that would be what it would be like living in that world. You just see Chandler staring down this woman and you're like, what the fuck is wrong with that guy? Like, it just be... I I think it would be hard to survive as a regular person.
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's... uh, I always thought that about, like, getting sucked into... uh, I mean, I always... It's kind of like the whole last action hero. You know, you get sucked into the world of action movies and, you know, the kid is the only one who realizes... Like you know, yeah, you could do all you. Know, you can shoot at the bad guy without ever running out of bullets. Like you don't have to worry. That's a, that's a real world, real world problem. Yeah. You don't have to worry about right. I think in sitcoms, there's definitely that. I think if you were a real character, you also have to concern yourself with, like
0: once a week, you have to come up with some sort of scheme, or you have to sur- of some sort. I mean, n- not necessarily. You would just have to survive the scheme in the world where everyone around you is scheming, or misunderstanding. Yeah, oh, sure. Imagine like, if you're in Three's company, every you have to look up. A- be careful about everything you say because every single episode of that show is about someone misunderstanding something and freaking out.
1: Well, beyond that, I mean, that's, if we're talking about shows that have aged well too, that's a, that's a great, that's a great example of how many jokes can we make about the landlord thinking that John Ritter is gay?
0: Oh yeah. I like that show for some reason, but it's a terrible show. Let's put it this way. I like John Ritter and I like John Ritter on that show. Uh, it's a, it is a terrible show, but I enjoy it. Like, yeah. That has not aged well at all. Imagine no, pitching no, 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 that no, nowadays. No, no. Okay, we won't let you move in here because you're living with two girls until you pretend that you're gay for six seasons. Then it's okay.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, so I just have to Two do different the- landlords. We just kept that going, no matter who the landlord is. Yeah, you because
0: think- which is kind of weird because it's, it's both backwards and also progressive because the landlord's Cool with there being gay people back then, which is like a little bit more of a stigma because, mm-hmm. like, people only recently really started getting better with gay people, and we're still not there yet.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: And the fact that back um, in the 70s, I think it was the 70s, I'm not sure how old that show is, people oh. were doing a show about a landlord who was an asshole at least, when it started with the Ropers, but it was yeah. cool with the gay with with having a gay person living in his building. I was like, okay, I guess that's progressive, but it's also very backwards to have a guy doing a gay impersonation for seven years.
1: I mean, I always think of like all in the family with that, that, that show was such a a groundbreaking show that has aged well, It, it has aged well, but what's interesting is how it also hasn't aged well, because there are people out there who, who will talk about, uh, uh, Archie Bunker and you get the idea that they're not liking, they don't realize that the laughter is at his expense. True. They just think what he says is funny,
0: but that doesn't mean the show hasn't aged well. Well. well it means it no, means stupid people are watching agree. the show like i love I, I love the agree. character I love Archie Bunker, but I think he's an asshole
1: I do too i think I think the show is phenomenal um i think I think it should be required viewing for a lot of people honestly uh it especially for people involved in in entertainment nowadays to see like how they address certain... Like, almost every episode was, like, a very special episode.
0: Well, it was you know, a basically a debate show. That. It was a, a sitcom wrapped around debates. And you'd yeah. have both oh, sides okay. of debate. Like, it, it does very good job of doing great arguments about this stuff. It, yeah. It's not, like, whataboutisms or anything like that. It's about, like, here's my yeah. point and here's why it's valid. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I think, I think honestly, the uh, a more recent example of that would be, like, uh, The Good Place. I think The Good Place did a good job of, like almost every episode was discussing and debating some moral subject
0: oh yeah the good place is brilliant with that uh, uh, to to a uh, similar extent uh South Park uh, uh, oh, puts itself off as as raunchy uh, debauchery but it's also like very good oh. at making points it's smart stupid oh,
1: yeah yeah smart see, I like that I don't I don't know if you just coined that but I, like I have no smart, idea
0: stupid. probably yeah, not we'll
1: just say you know, just take credit
0: just take sure credit. sure it's all mine. All right, so those are all the things I've been thinking about from watching stuff uh, recently. Now let's get on to podcast news. We're at usually we're about ready to wrap up. <laughs> We've got two more segments. <laughs> yeah, this is perfect. No, I, I, as yeah, long as I think the, the show, culture. as long as I think the show is going good, I'll keep it going. If it's going bad, i go like, oh, that's all the time we have. I am so sorry. I didn't get out of here. <laughs> uh, it's okay. So first story, I think is kind of cool. Are you a fan of Billy Eichner? Ah, uh,
1: I like Billy on the street. I couldn't. I didn't really care for his character. His character had a few moments on Parks and Rec that I liked, but for the most part, I felt like he was just really kind of extra.
0: Oh, I loved in, him on Parks. And Rec. That's the first time I ever saw him, and I thought he he, okay. he won me over immediately. Um, I like
1: I I loved Billy on the Street.
0: Billy Street um, is great. Like
1: I said, there were scenes in Parks and Rec with him that I liked, but for the most part, I was like, oh, he doesn't he doesn't need to be here. This the, the show's fine without.
0: Him. For those who, people who don't know who he is, because I don't think he's a he's a like a name everyone knows. At the, at his. this point, he is like a yeah. seven foot tall gay man who his bit is he runs up and screams at at people on the street and asks them questions. Uh, now,
1: if his height didn't already
0: have him standing out. His voice definitely does. yeah, very distinct. Uh, well he uh he just announced something I think uh today or maybe it was yesterday I can't remember when I saved this. I was gonna uh share what he uh said on Twitter. Okay. In shocking news, Bros will be the first rom-com about gay men ever produced by Major Studio, and apparently, I'm the first openly gay man to ever write and star in their own studio film. Only it took 100 years, thanks Hollywood, and also Fuck My Manager in 2006, who told me to be less gay because a big agent was coming to my show. Fuck you! Okay, I'll shut up now. So basically, he's going to be making a, a big studio, produ- uh, studio movie about a gay relationship, written by him and Nick Stoller, produced by Judd Apatow, mm-hmm. and it's coming to the big screen. I think that's exciting, because we haven't had enough of this. Uh, like the, the closest I could think of is there's like uh, something about some kid named Simon or something like that, that came out like two years ago, mm-hmm. about Simon or something like that, about a kid in high school who was gay, but I'm not sure if it was like ah. a comedy or a drama, I don't know anything about it. So that's the closest I can think of to, to a movie about a gay rom- rom- romance movie. For the most part, they usually like either dramas or they're about women. So oh and if they're in if they're in a romantic comedy, they are the like the the
1: females like friend. Best, like sassy girlfriend. Yeah. It's
0: never about them. They they can be in it, but it's yeah. never about them.
1: Absolutely. I, yeah, I think it's exciting. They're...
0: I think he's really funny. Uh Jed Apatow has a pretty good eye for like people he, he needs to like push up and make like a project with. Like, uh,
1: he's, he's definitely got a, a niche market, he's or a corner of the market. I think he's, yeah, he's he's like he's I, shown himself a pretty reliable,
0: yeah, movie maker. I, I I I I'm not like the biggest Amy Schumer fan, but I love Trainwreck. I'm even thinking about checking checking out uh, that Pete Davidson movie, which is which is uh, produced by him. And I hate Pete oh, Davidson because I trust trust him I, so you, much. I will say that you and I
1: definitely agree on Pete Davidson. I I don't. Careful. I've seen. I, I kind of tapered off of watching Saturday Night Live, but you know I, I catch it on on YouTube. I right? watch I, the YouTube I videos. On, I right? can't watch a
0: full show. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, but I'll see Pete Davidson in in skits, and almost every single time I see Pete Davidson in a skit, I find myself just being like, "Really, really, Lauren Michaels? Like, yeah,
0: this is the guy." Because apparently, Lauren Michaels loves. Pete Davidson. Were those guys that look at the guy who got the lead role and like, I could do that?
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: I could have done that better.
1: What, what, what the hell does this guy know? I will say, um, he
0: played Andrew Como on an opening sketch like two weeks ago, and it um, was good. I was like, I, oh, yeah? I, I, I was like, this is not. Every time I've seen Pete Davidson before, he's always been Pete Davidson, no matter what character he's playing. Yeah. He, he was he Andrew Como. He, it was amazing. It was really good. He's
1: usually, he's usually very like smirky and like tongue-in-cheek
0: and about ready to break character
1: yeah and he's like kind of he's kind of winking to the audience through the whole thing he's like a less
0: talented jimmy fallon
1: (laughs) yeah it's exactly what he is he's if jimmy fallon could hold in his laughter you get pete davidson
0: exactly yeah
1: um yeah, I I so but getting back to what we're saying, I I love the idea of a of a gay rom-com. I have no problem with that. My biggest thing with rom-coms is my wife loves romantic comedy. It's like her favorite genre. She just, you know, she, she knows them. She knows rom-coms about as well as I know like the more like well, for instance, the movies that we're going to be discussing okay, on yeah. this podcast. Um she just she completely loves rom-coms. So we've watched a lot of them. And and there are some that I absolutely love, um, but uh, but for the most part, one of the things that I have noticed in in romantic comedies is, and I'm not saying they are all like this, but a good ninety percent of them have that the the man in the like the male lead or the male main character will have to change for the female character mm-hmm. almost always. And I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying that, that that isn't a thing. I mean, I think every, every relationship you're going to have, you know, realistically, you're going to have to change some stuff. They're going to have to, you know, there's an accommodation there. But I just find it interesting that, like, that's something that is in almost every rom-com. So anytime I see a romantic comedy where it's like, oh, they don't have to change, mm-hmm. or they, you know, one of them didn't have to change, that's not the crux of the problem. I find that interesting. Now, sometimes they do change, and, and I still find it interesting. The, there's a, a smaller known uh, rom-com called Man Up with Simon Pegg and Lake Bell that I absolutely love. It's hysterical, but it does have the same thing of the, uh, Simon Pegg has to change mm-hmm. in order for, you know, even if it's just his outlook on something,
0: something has to change to, in order for the relationship to work. My problem with the majority of, of rom coms, and I think they're getting better the closer we get to modern times. I think they've relied on this less, is that most mm-hmm. of them are about manipulations and lying. So like they're doing, mm-hmm. they're lying to the person. They get in a relationship, and then they're like, oh crap, I've fallen for this person, and then they get found mm-hmm. out, and then they break up, and then they win them back in the end. And so like there's so mm-hmm. many based on deceit. I don't like stories about people lying to each other, and like where it's, it seems to be okay. Like there's some, yeah. there's some exceptions. Aladdin's a good one where basically that's what it is. Uh, yeah. But, um. Oh, it goes back, to, I mean, that goes back to, I mean, it goes back to
1: before this, but like Shakespeare has that. Yeah. As You Like It, which is entirely a, a romance. I mean, it's pastoral, but it's, it's a romance story. Has the female pretending to be a man teaching the man that she loves how to woo her pretty much. Yeah. Like it's a weird, like reverse Cyrano de Bergerac, which is another example of lying. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a that's a major thing in, in romantic comedy. I agree. Anytime you can break away from tropes, I think is is a, it's daring, but it's also if it's done well, it's a good thing.
0: I used to be one hundred percent. There's no such thing as a good rom com, but I think we've gotten to a point where there are plenty of well written ones. As long as they're not lazy and just falling into the like, this is what you're supposed to do in a romantic comedy. I think they're pretty good. Sure. Uh, definitely, for people who haven't seen it, I think uh, Palm Springs is a great one uh the five-year oh, engagement oh, is a great is one
1: fantastic i ju- yeah i i don't
0: know if, i guess yeah i would consider that a romantic comedy it's definitely um, romantic. It, it's sure it's yeah. got like a sci-fi gimmick but still still definitely focuses sure. on romance five-year yeah. engagement is a great one long,
1: talking about the, i mean groundhog's day groundhog's day which groundhog's is kind day of the original
0: is one honestly. of my favorite movies of all time yeah i gotta think for yeah. time loops
1: <laughs> i mean any kind of time I, I love time travel in a movie anyways
0: uh so uh about time great movie About, that's another good yeah bill i mean bill nye breaks my heart in that movie. oh yeah
1: it's so um yeah no it's but again anytime we break, we break away from from a lot of those tropes i think are good uh, uh like i said man up is a, is a great romantic comedy i don't know if i think there's another romantic comedy i was just thinking crazy stupid love i i, I
0: love that movie i had no intent. yeah i saw that on a double date i had no intention of of seeing that movie ever because it looked terrible here's the thing with uh uh-huh. ryan gosling he has a lot of great movies the trailers for his movies are terrible i almost never want to see them and then when i see them I'm like oh it's actually pretty good and that's what happened with that one
1: yeah i saw that one uh i was working uh at disneyland at the time actually and uh in one of the areas that i was working it was a uh, area that was mostly uh females and so in the break room they had kind of a tv and a dvd setup. And, you know, you would bring in movies to, to just kind of play throughout the day while you're in the break room. And with it being mostly females, there was a large collection of romantic comedies in there. And we ended up watching Crazy Stupid Love one day. And I was I, it was one of the best days I had in that in that area that I was working. And I was like, this is hysterical. It's, it was delightful. I loved every second of it.
0: I got a funny story with that movie. So I'm only bringing up the other day because it's important for how horrible it makes me sound. Uh, so uh, Tasha and I asked out this these these two people to go on a double date with us and there's two guy two gay guys and we saw the movie and loved it and then like years later I was talking to one of them about that because they were still together and it's like, yeah, we weren't dating yet. I was like, wait, so I just asked two gay guys out and assumed that they were <laughs> dating <laughs> And set up a double date. I, I mean, it worked out for, for, I mean, they're now broken up, but for years it worked, it worked out. I set them up for like seven years together, just assuming because they're gay, they were dating.
1: So Yeah, no, That's the, I think that actually is like a trope too, of like, I know a gay guy. Well, I know
0: a gay guy. We should get them together. But it so wasn't, you your own except around. for your thing. I wasn't going like, we should get them together. I thought they were together. Like, it blew my mind when he told me they were dating at that time. Like, I argued with him. I was like, no, you guys were dating at that time. It's like, no, Carl, we were not dating. Like, oh, okay. oh. <laughs> I still, oh, I there's still a part of my mind that thinks he's wrong. Because I swear they were dating.
1: Wait, you think they were dating and he just didn't
0: realize it? I think he forgot. I think he has, a, he has <laughs> the wrong origin of when they got together. Now, he tells me, and he's definitely the more reliable person in this story, that they were not dating at that time. But I'm like, then why did I assume that? There was something there that made me think that you guys are dating. It wasn't just because you're gay. It's not like I think all gay people are dating. So wait, wait, I think wait, he's forgetting something.
1: Without, without naming anyone, was one of these people the, uh, the guy that came out to us during an improv practice? Um, and we spent like two and a half hours asking him questions. Maybe. One's
0: very tall. and One's very short.
1: Is one Hispanic and one's white? Yes. Okay, we're talking about the same person. Yes. I don't want to. I don't want to call them out or anything. Yeah, but that's a stare. So, I, uh, I love every second. <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I still say I'm right, but maybe I'm wrong. I'm willing to give it in that much <laughs> on his love life. I'm willing to give him that much. All right, uh, let's do the next story. We did. We did one news story so far. Uh, where to go? Uh, okay. So, next story. My wife says I should really, like, have these articles planned out instead of, like, I scroll all my saved news stories. and I'm like, oh, which uh, one should I do? She says I should have it all planned out. But I think it's good to hear me going, uh, what should yeah, I do? Yeah. It's, people, more, it's more real, Carl. It's more raw. People love that That's story. People love that yeah, sound. I
1: come to you for the truth, not for, for you know, what okay. you think everyone should hear.
0: Okay, so this is, this is kind of news about something old, but I, I love it. Uh... Damn it. freaking ads moved the thing okay so there was a time when they were going to do an et sequel and they had a pitch have you heard have you heard about this okay i
1: think i've is this the one i don't want to ruin this if, if you, I'll, it, I'll, I'll, I'll you want the, to talk about it i'll give you the
0: the the I'll Go read, ahead it's like a paragraph we'll see if it's I, all yeah. right the first movie's kids are lonely without their old pal et but hopefully they but hopefully that they'll be reunited uh Oh, sorry. With a tiny freak again, one day soon, their wishes seem to come true when they fi- end up finding an alien ship. Unfortunately, the aliens on board are evil. They're albino yes. ca- carnivores with big red eyes and fangs who are at war with ET's people, who arrived on Earth to mutilate cattle and torture kids for information on, on, on their enemies' whereabouts. During yes. all this, Elliot ter- experiences tremendous pain and screams so loudly that his agony is heard throughout the universe. This yep. brings E.T. back to save the human children from what can only assume is dispassionate alien murder.
1: Yes. I That is exactly what I Literally what I was going to say is, is this the pitch where Ellie gets tortured?
0: Yes. And, yep. I so, want this movie.
1: <laughs> so here's the deal. Um, I believe, and I, I could be wrong, but I'm 90% sure this is put into the category of... Uh, movies that were contractually obligated
0: Uh
1: um where uh there's a couple of these that that famously there's there's beetlejuice goes to hawaii okay i've heard of that that one yeah yeah where they are uh writers slash directors are contractually obligated to create a sequel now every now and then we know that there are times where they go i think i've said everything i need to say in the first movie i don't want to make a sequel so their plan is I'm going to make this sequel so fucking bad, no one in their right mind will ever make it. I believe that was the case with E.T. I know it was the case with Beetlejuice Goes to Hawaii, which I believe is now, if it's not already in pre-production, I had heard that it was going into pre-production. Before. I've been hearing that for uh, I years. Was, I, believe, Smith,
0: I will believe they're making another Beetlejuice movie when they show a trailer, because I've been hearing for like 10 years they're making another Beetlejuice movie. I, I, well, no, no, no. Because I, I look I, up news I, articles I, on this stuff all the time, they announce it every couple of years.
1: Sure, absolutely. It's the same with, uh, uh, I know Ghostbusters 3 was in developmental hell for years before it was made. Um, I just know that Tim Burton wrote Beetlejuice Goes to Hawaii with the intent of, I will never have to make this movie. However, Warner Brothers owned the rights, and I know, and uh, you can look it up on YouTube, I think it's in... The first uh, Evening with Kevin Smith uh, DVD, which are amazing DVDs, by the way, if you ever want to hear some good insider stuff from from Hollywood. Um, Kevin Smith talks about when he worked on a Superman movie in the 90s, and part of that was uh, Warner Brothers offered him a couple of different projects, one of them being Beetlejuice Goes to Hawaii. That would have been terrible. Even with the terribleness that Tim Burton wrote WB was still just like you know you know what we're gonna we're working on this because
0: people would see it because Beetlejuice is an amazing movie yeah uh, this the, the, there is another uh, so the guy who made uh who made the you know how they used to make novel I'm not sure they still do make novelizations of the movies oh yeah okay some of
1: those I think the only one I ever read, when I was a kid, I read Adam's Family Values. Me
0: too. I had that one. Oh
1: my gosh. Did you read that too? Yeah. That's crazy.
0: Uh, uh, So the guy who made the novelization of E.T. wrote a book Uh sequel that is a different plot. Okay. And this one, I remember reading about this a few years ago. So I'm going off based off of memory, nothing in front of me. But apparently Uh uh, Elliot forgets the lessons that he learned while being with E.T., and turns into this a f- does. and turns into a fucking dick. And so E.T. is like somehow is like uh spying on him from his planet, like looking in sure. and sees that Elliot is a dick. And so he comes back to bring some humility to Elliot. <laughs> it's supposed to be terrible. I don't think you can find it in print at all anymore. But it like, sounds like amazing.
1: we went from E.T. like learning about humanity and humans in the first movie to looking down on Elliot and going, yo, this guy's a dick.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Did you learn anything? Do I have to bring the flowers back to life again? Come on,
0: man. I'll show you, ouch.
1: <laughs> that's the that's the tagline for, <laughs> for, for Elliot being
0: tortured.
1: E.T. 2 I'll
0: show you, ouch. Okay, so the next story I'm going to do is... Um, so I don't watch a lot of anime, but I've I've recently opened myself up to to the possibility that there is some oh, yeah. out there that's actually good. Cuz for a long time I had a hard line that anime was shit. There's no point in watching it uh, because it's stupid and you're stupid if you watch it. Like my, my wife had the idea that if we have a girl when we have a kid that she wants to name her first name Anna, middle name May, and then enter. And I was like so you're going to name her anime. May. It's like no. It's like yeah, save those fast. Anime. And uh, so I was like, if people to fully applaud that, by the way, that's
1: an amazing. She movie. didn't
0: do it on purpose. She doesn't see She didn't, doesn't see it. I see it.
1: I like, nope. I like it on purpose too. I, I
0: fully, I fully support Tasha on this. This is amazing. But so I was like, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to say, I hate anime. And people are going to think <laughs> I'm talking about my daughter. So, like, that's that's not a name we're going to do. Is that stupid?
1: Well, listen, I think I think we can both agree that, and I speak for myself as well, any children we have are going to end up with a complex of some sort anyways. It might as well,
0: at least this one you'll know. Well, yeah, my child's so going to find out that they're smarter than dad at age three. Uh, <laughs> or at least cooler, definitely cooler. They're going uh, to be my bully. Uh, but anyways, I started... The, I started opening myself up to some new anime, or not new anime. Okay. Opening myself up to to viewing anime, and I know sure. the most famous one uh, who seemed like a good beginner was, I don't know how to say his name, so I'm gonna butcher this like crazy. How mm-hmm. Hayao Miyazaki, who makes, uh, okay, he made like Spirited Away and Howl's Moving Castle, yeah, yeah, stuff like that. that. I watched uh, three of his movies. Two of them were good. One of them was okay. pure shit. Uh, but anyways, have you seen Spirited Away? uh hold on one second i'm
1: literally looking up right now because i did watch one recently and i want to make sure it's yep spirited away i
0: watched okay so that movie is bonkers there's people getting turned Uh, into animals there's weird just weird creatures flying around all over the place and weird monsters and big bulbous things anyways they are going to be adapting that into a stage play yep perfect
1: Nope, I'm all for this because that is bananas. I
0: yeah, I, I think that would actually be better. It's not. It doesn't say it's a musical. I don't think it's gonna be a musical, and also I think we have to go like overseas to see it. But I want to see this because I think just the production value alone would be worth this. Because this has to be magical. This has to be bigger than anything on Broadway. With how big they have to go. I think it sounds exciting.
1: I I remember watching. So my wife uh uh likes a lot of these movies. Like she uh, she really liked Hell's Moving Castle. And we watched, That's uh, my favorite one I've I, seen. Yeah, and I liked it. And then so we watched Spirited Away*, and I—I I mean, by about halfway through, I was like, "I'm—I'm I'm done. This is weird." And I just started reading up on it because I—I—I, I, no matter what movie it is, I like to read up on it. I like to find out kind of, you know, how it was made, why it was made, stuff like that. And something I found out was that they were making this movie without a script. Yeah, it feels and like. Wanted, it. like yeah, not in like a Christopher Guest, like, we have an idea of where we're going, but we just have to, you know, get there kind of way. They just started, you know, making so and I'm like, yeah, this that fucking shows. It's super this, this disjointed. Goes, it goes in so many different directions. I yeah, I could not it was like watching an acid trip. It
0: I liked just, it, but I liked Hal's Moving Castle more because it, it had like a coherent plot. hmm
1: It was it was literally like someone I feel like someone watched, like, Alice in Wonderland and went, I can make that weirder.
0: Yeah, oh, it has I a very make- Alice in Wonderland feel, most definitely.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was just the witch with the big head, and then she's got, like, a twin sister, and the giant baby was weird forgot happened. about that. The giant baby was the stuff nightmares are made of. I mean, it was, oh, God. Yeah, that whole thing was just weird. Howl's Moving Castle, it's still not... Because they're very, they're very artistic, and I and I will fully admit that I have to be in the right mood to watch them. Um, I remember howls. It's been years since I watched it, but I remember Howls Moving Castle being kind of a all right. There's a coherent story, and I, you know, I think some of it also gets. I don't want to say mistranslated. No, it definitely there does. A, there's a dissonance between. Japanese culture and American culture, where I'm, and I have no problem just going like, "Yeah, I'm just completely uneducated in this." Oh yeah, I have no idea.
0: Well, the yeah, well, because we're also like we're translate not just words, they can't translate uh, uh, culture and way people react into English. Like they they could change the words, but they'll they will act almost alien to us because they their culture is drastically different than ours. Yeah, you definitely have to accept that, and that feels disjointed. But it's it didn't bug me that much with how
1: so there's got yeah. so there's definitely times that i i've watched and i mean that's not, it's not just true for anime i have watched movies that might be of a of a, a culture that is different from my own where i've gone you know what i feel like you still get that sense of like i feel like this is saying something that i'm just not getting i'm in the wrong for not knowing oh, yeah. this but it's it's I'm not faulting the movie for this. I no. just kind of realized like, okay, I'm not the audience for this scene.
0: I got it. Yeah. So not, oh yeah. You no know? def- I've stuff. I've noticed that like, cause I watch, I, I'm not sick trying to act super sophisticated here. Like I watch a ton yeah. of foreign films, but I watch a decent yeah, right. amount. I watch a decent amount of foreign films. And the, uh-huh. the ones that, that feel the most like different to me than like what American does. America does mm-hmm. is probably Japanese or just almost anything of the Asian culture because they have very different values in the Western culture stuff. Seems drastically different. Like I watch when I watch Spanish yeah. ones or uh, or or German ones or something like that. Mm-hmm. There's definitely differences, but it doesn't feel that drastic. Mm-hmm. But when I watch those, like I watched a uh, Ip Man, Ip mm-hmm. Man. Uh, there yeah. were times I was just like, "This is weird," but it's a great movie. Sure. And that's all you just gotta be able to tr- understand that your culture is not the most important culture in the world and oh, enjoy
1: absolutely. that. I I recently had that obviously my, my wife is is spanish and we we watched a, a fair amount of spanish television and spanish movies um i just recently watched uh volver which is an amazing uh film i actually enjoyed it more than i thought i wouldn't i i mean i went into it thinking i was going to like it uh it's a movie by uh pedro uh almodovar uh-huh. um uh, he just uh, uh, recently, he did uh, Pain and Glory, which is uh, uh, in the news a lot. Uh, you know, got a lot of Oscar talk and stuff like that. Um, but even watching, like, uh, uh, there's a Spanish movie or a Spanish TV show called uh, uh, El Ministerio del Tiempo, the, uh, the Ministry of Time. And so, again, all time travel, so I was already involved in it. Uh, totally wanted to watch this. But what's interesting is it's, it it deals with time travel and it deals a lot with Spain. And at one point, they have like a, a guy playing Charlton Heston in sixties, I think sixties or seventies. Whenever he was going to be doing, uh, he was going to be doing like a Don Quixote movie. Okay. So he went to Spain to, and so they have a scene where they have a guy playing Charlton Heston talking to someone, and they got the most. They got a guy that tried his best to look like Charlton Heston back then. And then he starts to talk and it is the worst American accent <laughs> you have ever heard in your life. I was crying with laughter at it because it was just so ridiculous where he's like, you just tell me more of this Don Quixote. I am very interested in it. And I was like, what the hell is this? It just turns out that, that people from Spain don't have an ear for uh uh American uh,
0: uh accents unlike me so who that, I as an American like, I have an ear for all accents
1: you know, right exactly no it's the same thing like you know like we we don't really have an ear for like for even British accents like when we hear uh uh British people we can d- differentiate from different accents well even I, I think a, a better example would be uh, uh Spanish accents
0: I mean there are you know they know all they'll blend from, together to me into one accent
1: Exactly, and I don't. I mean, I've been studying Spanish for a couple of years now, and my wife will even ask me, like, you know, oh, do you hear that? Do you hear the different accent? I'm like, nope, just sounds. I can pick up. I can kind of pick up a Mexican accent, but even then, I mean, there's different accents in Mexico that I just don't know. But if you if it's a northern Mexican accent, my ear can kind of pick it up because I grew up in Southern California, so that's an accent that I heard more often. Um. So, yeah, to, to the Spanish people, they were just like, yeah, this guy nailed it. It's, that's Charlton Heston. That's exactly what he sounds like. It's just another c- cultural thing that, to me, is hysterical, but to them, they're just like, I don't see what's so funny about it. He did a great job. And I think Spirited Away uh, has that as well. I think it has it in droves. There's plenty of stuff that I'm like, I don't get this, and this is just bonkers, and the Japanese are going, ah, this is great. This, this is amazing. I think it's the only foreign film, to win uh, best animated feature
0: at the Oscars? I, I don't know. I don't keep up on the Oscars that much. I don't like award shows. <laughs> uh, I only I think I only know it because of my wife. My wife likes the Oscars. Okay. But yeah. Oh, there's nothing wrong with you, you. Like I'm not one of those guys, men don't watch award shows. I'm just like, I don't care for right. them. But you mentioned that right. okay, I want to recommend something to you just because you rec- you said Pedro uh, um, I don't know how to say his name. Al- Almodovar. Okay, he made a Almodovar. film. He made a film that I love that is uh-huh. It's brutal. It's very brutal. It's one of the most oh. mo- messed up movies I've ever seen, but it's really good. It's called "The Skin this, I Live on. In." Is this
1: uh, what, uh, women on the verge of a nervous breakdown? No. Oh, okay. I'm sp- Okay.
0: The Skin I Live In. It stars Antonio Banderas, who I never was a big fan okay. of as an actor, but when he's doing Spanish, it, it, he's really good. Oh, I Did I? I like. I like. I like Antonio Banderas. Well, he's, yeah, liked, he's great in this. Okay, I, I
1: want to see more Almodovar, anyways. And honestly, watch Volvera. Volver is uh, Penelope uh,
0: well, Cruz. I'll, I'll watch amazing. it because I love this movie, even though it is very messed up. It's a, it, I don't want to tell you much about it, even if you watch the yeah, trailer. No, no, no. If you watch the trailer, you'll be I'll, like, what the fuck is this? Uh, they don't give much away because the, the plot is surprising and there's tons of twists. I'm
1: willing, to bet if I, I'm willing to bet if I told my wife tonight, hey, Carl wants us to watch an a Almodovar movie and uh i guarantee you she'll say yes okay yeah it's just
0: the skin i live in i think i talked about on this podcast before when i did a list of bizarre films that are that people should check out and that was that Uh, was like number one on my list it's very good it might be a little bit in the requiem for a dream category of films for you where you only Uh need to watch it once Uh but it's very good (laughs) all right uh we're getting late so let's just do one more let's see if there's okay Anything? Okay. I'll, I'll. I'll. Here's what I'll do. I'll tell you the basic. Oh, uh, that'll give it away. I'll be basically telling the whole thing if, <laughs> just going into it. Uh, let's do the one that's a fuck you to somebody who deserves a fuck you. Okay. Okay. So you, there's a Hogwarts video game being made. Uh, coming out probably sometime around next year or so, called Hogwarts Legacy. Mm-hmm. In this game, you get to, uh, design your own character. And they have added a new feature that they're going to implement in there, which is you can now design a trans character as your main character that you play with in the Hogwarts universe, which I think is definitely a fuck you to J.K. Rowling. Oh, absolutely. But here's the thing I'm thinking about. She's going to get paid. She owns Harry Potter. She's going to get a percentage of it. So do you think you would mind if someone sent you a big fuck you, but you got a big paycheck?
1: I think, I, yeah, I well, kind of what you're saying, I think she's going to cry all the way to the bank. But at the same time, I think there's got to be a part of her that's going to be bothered by it, which also gives me joy, that she's getting this money. She's going to be getting, if she gets a big paycheck from it, there's got to be a part of her thinking, wow, so many people are paying for a fucking trans character. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there, so, so part of me, yeah, this... This sparks joy in me to hear this, but uh, uh, yeah, I think that's, I think that's interesting. I didn't hear anything about that, but I absolutely love that that's going to be happening.
0: Yeah, you basically get to, uh, you get to design your character. You can choose if it has a, you can, it could be a female appearing uh, body, but you can give it a male voice and then you get to, after the, after you do the design, you get to assign which gender you think it is. So even if it looks female, you go like, okay, well this is a male because that's the way I uh-huh. feel, something like that. So you complete like it's not going to say trans, but it's definitely like uh-huh. designed to be more so representative. It would
1: be interesting is that they did it more. I, I mean, I'm again, I'm all on board with this. We we know from our talk from The Last of Us Part Two that video games that have trans characters are obviously good with me, but I I like the idea of considering so many people. uh, uh, Choose to transition in their formative years. Wouldn't it be interesting to have a character starting off as one gender, and then maybe in like year two or three at Hogwarts, you're given the option: "Hey, do you want to switch genders?" And having this, you know, kind of a a
0: thing. I I don't think they're. But
1: that also turns it.
0: That turns the whole game. You're you're designing a story into this game. They just want this character, like you design your character, you're throwing into this universe.
1: And I think it also might be problematic to say, hey, do you do you make this choice? Like like you're trying to say that this is yeah, yeah. you know a choice that people can make. Also,
0: when when would you throw that into the game? Like, okay, every year of the school is gonna go like, hey, do you want to transition now? Like that'd be a weird thing to throw in there.
1: Sure. It's yeah, it's it becomes an interesting well, it's it's now we're getting into the subject of of how can we be Inclusive, but also not offend anyone that we're trying to include.
0: Well, I, that's what I think so, this does: is it gives you the option yeah. to design your character to feel the, sure. more like you. You don't have right. to. You don't have to throw in the 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 like. Okay, now they're going to start taking hormones. You just design a character right. that feels like you. That's all. I think. That, I think right. they did a good job with First
1: that. First of all, they wouldn't. They wouldn't be taking hormones, Carl. They would have some magic potion. I mean, that's, yeah, that's, probably. That's work. Come on, man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> No, I, I think that's an interesting idea. I, I, I usually think it's an interesting idea to have uh, uh, stuff like that. I mean, I I was reading recently about um, uh, the uh, the Matrix, uh, in the original Matrix movie. I don't know if you remember one of the characters, uh, the woman who's like dressed all in white in the Matrix. Yeah, I know what you're Switch. talking. About I, know, I know the
0: story you're talking about.
1: Perfect. So yeah, so uh, for anyone who's who's listening who doesn't know it, the uh, the character's name is Switch. And the original idea for it was that in the real world, Switch was one gender, and in the uh, Matrix, when they whenever they went to the Matrix, Switch was the was enough, was the other gender. Yeah, male to female, or male to male. Great idea. It also becomes uh, somewhat poetic when you realize how the Wachowskis have, have both come out now as as transgender. So great idea and i'm every time i watch the movie now i i get this feeling like god i wish they'd done that that would have been such an interesting idea especially in the late 90s when that would have been so i mean the movie was already so cutting edge to have been on cutting edge of of a social issue like that yeah great too i think nowadays i mean we're talking 20 years later there's there's no excuse to not do it if you if you have a a, a chance to have a character creation thing like that and you're not putting in something to allow them to be transgender i mean you you have to start looking at it as are we now are we going from being inclusive to exclusive
0: mm-hmm. if that makes sense you know okay so yeah I, i'm in agreement with you i think uh i think it's a good idea and it's a good we're moving in the right direction with this kind of stuff i talked sure. like sure. It's so weird. I, I hope you know I'm coming across good on this podcast because I talk about this stuff a lot and I know I'm just a straight white guy uh, right. talking about this stuff and I haven't had a trans person on the show or anything like that, which I, you know, I'm definitely open to. I just don't know many yeah. trans people, but uh, I right. hope you know I'm doing a good job of talking about this stuff in a respectful way. That's my intention. Absolutely.
1: Oh, I, I, exactly the same thing. I've had, I've had experiences. In fact, I had one just recently of, uh, uh, trying to, um, to be inclusive and it comes off as, as, uh, uh, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, insulting, which is absolutely not my intention at all. Um, you know, but at the same time, it also, uh, there are people who are going to be, and it's not just in the trans community,
0: there's just people in general who are just going to be, uh, uh, offended no matter what. So yeah, but also, um, as long as you're opening to, open to, I think the, the main thing is trying to, to be right on, on the right side of history with this thing and taking notes. Yeah. Like if you, if you find out you're doing something that you, you found out was you're trying to be inclusive, but you actually were being offensive, then you go, okay, right. no, take that for later. All right. Yeah, absolutely. Let's get into our last segment uh, of the show. We're going to yeah. talk about um, two movies. Uh, yeah. that, one of them has been very anticipated. One of them's 20, 30 years old. Uh, Coming to America, we're going to talk about both part one and part two. Now, Before we get into this, I, until last week, have never seen Coming to America. I haven't seen, uh, like, the main Eddie Murphy movies I know are Bowfinger and Nutty Professor. Those are my go-to Eddie <laughs> Murphy movies, which I actually think those are, those are, those are pretty good movies. As, as someone who grew up with,
1: like, movies like Coming to America and Beverly Hills Cop, I, I can't believe those are the movies... Well, you know any? I mean, I I've seen those movies. both is fucking great. Like, oh yeah, don't get me wrong. I like Bowfinger, but it's, I've never heard someone go like, "Do you like any Murphy movies?" Oh yeah, man, Nutty Professor is my like, shit.
0: Dude, when I was little and I saw that in theaters, uh, <laughs> like those movies were the the height of sophistication for me, especially the dinner table scenes where they'd fart. <laughs> As a little kid, there is right. nothing <laughs> funnier than the farting scenes that also brings up something interesting
1: because having not seen coming to America, now you can see where that idea came from of Eddie Murphy playing a bunch of different characters. I mean, I I believe coming to America was the first time he'd done that.
0: So let me also, let me also give this disclaimer. You mentioned Beverly Hills cop. I have seen Beverly Hills cop. I watched it about 10 years ago or so. Hate that movie. Hate that oh, so much. All not right, funny. Well, I'll talk to you later. Buddy. Not funny. It's, not funny at all. Have
1: fun. You have fun with the rest of the all podcast. All
0: right. So one thing I'll say is this is the first time I've ever seen Arsenio Hall. I knew of him because I knew he had that talk really? show in the okay. in the '90s or so, but I'd uh-huh. never seen him before. Uh, he plays Semi in this movie in these movies, yeah, he does. and he's my favorite character. I thought a movie with Eddie Murphy as a lead playing multiple parts, Eddie Murphy would be the guy that I'd gravitate to, but <laughs> but Arsenio Hall, someone I was not familiar with at all. Was easily my favorite character. Uh, so, for those of you people who don't know, coming to America—if you're like me—it's basically about a very pampered guy who's being forced to arrange marriage. It's like fuck that shit. I'm gonna—he lives in a made-up country in Africa. Comes to America to find the, his a true love instead of marrying an arranged marriage with a woman that doesn't excite him intellectually. Um, mm-hmm. Stars Eddie Murphy, Arsenio Hall, uh, James Earl Jones, uh, Louis Anderson. Like, seriously, if you looked at the cast of this movie, even if they're not big then, they become bigger later. Like, there's a girl with, like, one line in there that had a bigger part in freaking Black Panther. Like, it's just... I
1: believe, if I'm not mistaken, too, I believe this was Samuel L. Jackson's first movie. He
0: was in this? Yeah, uh, it's his first... I looked on his IMDb. It's his first major, like, big role. Uh He was on, like, right. had, like, a few TV show guest star roles. But, yeah, this is, like... Sure. And he is 100% Samuel L. Jackson in this.
1: Oh, absolutely. No, there's no, there's no acting from Samuel L. Jackson, but I don't want acting from Samuel L. Jackson.
0: I okay. just want Samuel L. Jackson in my movie. So I decided, decided to cover these movies on the, my, my podcast because you told me you love these movies and you were very excited for coming to America too. Am I saying anything wrong okay. here? So
1: yeah. Okay. So here's the deal. I, I grew up with coming to America. Um, I, I, I think I've told you I can, I can quote that movie. I do quote that movie uh, quite a bit. Um, I think when we talked about this we were talking about movies that you had a a question of like is there a movie that you love that your significant other doesn't that you uh, uh, that it hurts you that they don't like it and I because I I know my answer for that is coming to America my wife doesn't like the movie I love it to the point of people bring it up and I just start laughing just thinking about the movie I literally have watched that movie I, I would I would rank it at least in my if not in my top three my top five comedies
0: of all time but but come to me absolutely so okay you i'm coming to you with this as you're the expert and i'm not um i like the movie i i had dj on recently talking about blues brothers and i absolutely hated that movie i don't i don't hate this movie I don't hate this movie. I don't those think are, it's a... There's
1: a break where it's to say to DJ, too. Yeah. So. Good, good
0: I'm not, I not. My intention is not to have people on here to shit on their films, except for I had Alex Ferreira to shit on... Uh, 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 fucking what's it called? Love Actually. I purposely had it on there to shit on that movie. But um, I like this movie. I don't love it. I also don't think it's very funny. I think it's nice. That's how I describe okay. Coming to America. It has a nice little romance story. Some of the stuff is very dated. Like they have a transgender... Joke. I'm like, ooh, that's cringy. Yeah. No, no, no. Uh, so, the dick washing is kind of like, ooh, cringy.
1: I will fully admit that this movie, that that the first Coming to America movie is a product of its time, uh, but also has some some interesting things when you when you really analyze it, it has some interesting things. Like, did you notice the uh, kind of the running gag they have of how everyone treats. Akeem as, uh, Eddie Murphy's character, Akeem, as like, oh, you've come from Africa. You, you know, it's so, it's everyone's so poor over
0: there. Yes, I, I like that, amazing.
1: yeah. But meanwhile, they're in Queens, New York, where they're living worse in Queens than they are in, in the made-up country of Zamunda. Like, the whole point is, the running gag is, they're worse, people are worse off in Queens than they are in Zamunda, oh. but they're looking, it's like, looking down on
0: Zamundans for for... Something I something I enjoyed about both movies is both of them have a point about people's expectations being uh going before they actually have any proof of what way things are. Yes, uh, and I like that yeah. a lot in both of them. Um, so the something just is some things I didn't like. Like I didn't like there's like a dating sequence where like they go to a nightclub um, and like they sure. meet all the weird dates. Like those aren't. <laughs> Which is a big crux of the second one, as it turns out, which
1: was really weird. I
0: hate it. Yeah, they, they threw in that scene, which is like, probably like the worst scene in the movie. Like the fucking twins rapping and shit like that. I'm like, these aren't the weird dates. Like, I thought it would be relatable. Like, oh, these are the crazy people you meet when you're dating. But they were just crazy people. So I hated that sequence. Uh, but I, I liked the love story. I thought the girl was very likable. I can't remember her name. I'm sorry. Absolutely. Uh, I, I, I thought Eddie Murphy was charming. Uh, I thought Arsenio mm-hmm. Hall was probably the only person in the movie that ever made me laugh, uh, and I didn't okay. know—I did not know that he was like Eddie Murphy playing multiple parts. I thought some of his parts, I thought those his parts, were also Eddie Murphy until so, like they got to the credits, right. of, like here's who did each character. He was very good at doing that, but it was, it was yeah. pleasant, and I enjoyed it. I thought sometimes characters went against like what they were set up as earlier. I think the second one does that too to a certain extent. Like uh, like, the Just- gr- like the girl, like the girl, you want to give this all back? Nah, was a little bit weird.
1: There we, oh, I mean, if we want to talk about callbacks, I mean, I don't want to get too much into the the sequel before we talk about the first one more, I guess. But yeah, the sequel has it, If you took the callbacks of of the first movie out of the second movie, I think you end up with a with a solid thirty minutes.
0: Okay, so I mean, let's just, let's just get, let's just dig into that. So I thought the first one was fine. Sure. I give it three and a half out of five. That's not that's not a bad movie. I enjoyed it, but I didn't love it. Uh, okay, so here's where we're gonna differ, and I'm also gonna point out something I saw. So I didn't read these articles, but because I follow a lot of uh, a lot of uh, entertainment sites, I see the yeah. headlines for these things. And right next okay. to one underneath another was uh, "Coming to America 2" was nothing but callbacks to the first movie. that should have gone in an original direction. Underneath it was like, "I'm glad that Coming to America 2 was just not a was not another retread, was actually going in an original direction." So I think that's funny, especially because here's what's going to happen: I'm going to disagree with you. I thought I actually liked the second one more. And I wow. liked right. that it wasn't just a retread. Okay. So we're, yeah, we're definitely going to disagree on this. I, listen, I will
1: not, I'm not saying that the the second one is entirely callbacks. Um, I, I was being a little hyperbolic. It's, it does tell uh, its own story. I think my, I just remember watching the second one the entire time just thinking, if you told me that this movie was made the disney channel i i would have believed you it just seemed like such a weird watered down version and at the same time it had some some things where part of me kind of going back to what we were talking about before about being inclusive and being kind of more more uh, woke for for lack of a better word um there were things that i'm like okay this i think that you were trying to do this but at the same time, you you really this was a big swing and a miss.
0: Like, I'll, I'll say like like when they switched it up when instead of the penis washer they had the pussy washer for Leslie Jones was a little <laughs> bit like sure. that's still like it's trying to be like oh we're not we're not sexist we, <laughs> we do it both ways. Part.
1: Leslie Jones Leslie Jones was hitting it out of the park. She was funny as hell to me in the movie. Um, Tracy Morgan too. Tracy Morgan was really funny. I love but Trevor was, Noah
0: as the newscaster. He made me laugh. Trevor
1: Noah as the newscaster was hilarious. I kept pausing it to read the. The ticker at the bottom of the oh,
0: I didn't have my glasses on. I didn't know there's stories going on underneath there. Oh, there's
1: yeah. So there's like a ticker at the bottom that's saying different things. Uh, I know they have like the weather, like the the temperature and the weather right there, and it says like your temperature, like ninety eight, rain, please, like you know, it was, it was just little jokes like that. But I thought it was funny. Um, but like one of the major things that to to kind of just, uh, 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 sh- incorporate what I was saying was. So one of the things they have is that in the second one that Akeem has nothing but daughters. He has three daughters, uh, and you need to have a male heir mm-hmm. uh, in, in Munda and all that, right? So from the get-go, you kind of have the idea of like, oh, okay, so we're going to have this story be about Akeem realizing he needs to buck tradition, similar to the first one where he was being told... You need to go into this arranged marriage. It's the way it's always been done. And he bucks that tradition to find a woman that he actually loves. Totally respect this. I like this idea. But instead of doing that, instead of having it be a story mostly about that, about him realizing that his, his daughter should really be running the country, even though he gets to that point at the end, we spent the entirety of the movie building up his, his illegitimate son that he finds out that he has. To, you know, and, and seeing how he can become more princely and stuff like this. It's like, so what you've been saying this whole time is women should be running the country and shouldn't he realize that, but let's not focus
0: on the women. So well, okay. the weird thing of I'm gonna take your point and I'm gonna go, I this this is something I loved about the second movie, which is actually one of the okay. reasons I liked it more. Because I think it's a real relatable thing in the fact that everybody when they're younger is very idealistic, and they point this out in the movie, it's very idealistic, they're gonna do things completely yes. different way. And as they grow older, they turn into their parents. And that's exactly sure. and I, and what Eddie liked, Murphy's storyline went with. I and I loved, cool. I loved that storyline. I love that he he lost his way. And he took it took uh, finding getting it pointed out to him and realizing by both his wife and his new son, uh, which, by the way, I had never seen his son before or anything. I thought he was charming and very good. I mm-hmm. enjoyed him a lot. And I, lo- I thought his daughters were great. I thought they did a good job of yeah. telling a new story, Rather than it just being about him, they trusted that their full cast, everyone, to tell a full story in so this. I enjoyed that. I I enjoyed I
1: enjoyed aspects of it. I just I, like I said, I like I think I liked the intention more than the execution of it. Um, like I said, I did I didn't like that while we're saying, you know, we, we we've acknowledged that his daughter wants to rule that she is is. Uh, 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 prepared to be the ruler of this country, but then we spend almost no time giving her any character development. We instead give no. character development to the person that is not deserving of it and isn't prepared for it. And it's, so it's like it's almost like they're trying to tell two different stories. No, I see. I disagree.
0: Just, I disagree with that. I feel like they told okay. that story in a different way than that you were wanting. Yes, it would have probably been interesting if they did a more it, it, uh, more feminist story and focus on her more but they decided to tell his development a different way than what you're saying through him learning it by doing the completely wrong thing. Rather than well, making the effort in the right way, he made the effort in the wrong way and learns later on. Yeah. The daughter it, doesn't have a lot of development. She was likable, but she didn't really have that much development, but I still think I like the story that they told.
1: I think it just became more like she, like I said, she just, we spent, if, if, if we accept the fact that the illegitimate son is the main character? Then we sp- then we spent time developing the daughter that shouldn't have been spent on the daughter. If we accept that the daughter should have been the main character, then we spent way too much time developing. There's not w- like it's
0: not just one person's story; it's several people's story. They're not focusing yeah, on he, he, the he, son's he, not he, the main character. I'd say more is Eddie Murphy and the son are both the main characters, and so you're working worrying okay. about Eddie Murphy's development. And you're worried and about the Suns' development as well. Both of them learning, uh, both of them going against the values that they thought they had and learning that those aren't the values that they want later on in the movie.
1: Okay, so if we were to focus on on Eddie Murphy as the main character, uh, then we can talk about the, the one scene that I actually really liked with him where he goes back to McDowell's after his wife's kind of kicked him out of the bedroom and John Amos' character finds him mopping the floors like he did in the first movie. I actually found that to be very poignant.
0: Yes, that was a very good looked, scene.
1: As soon as as soon as soon that scene opened, I actually was just like, oh man, that's so, that was a great idea to just have him be like, I want to go back to this. I, I didn't have to worry about all this. I just had to mop a floor. Not only that, that was him when
0: he was more idealistic and the person that he wanted yeah. to be before he turned into his dad. And I really liked that. But then throughout
1: the rest of the conversation, it literally has John Amos agreeing with Eddie Murphy's character saying, yeah, you need to be looking out for your country first. You need to be, you know, what you're doing is right, and you're in the right, and blah, blah, blah. And then after he's done that, as as Akeem is on his way out, they just kind of tacked on the, hey, what would your mom think, by the way? And I was like, that should have been your whole conversation. It should have been, it could have been this great poignant scene of John Amos saying, hey, you know what? My, I I dealt with this too, where, where, because in the first movie you had that where, where Akeem and Lisa were both dealing with the same thing of a father figure who knew better than his kids and knew what was right for his kids. They could have had John Amos sitting there saying, You know, I had that same thing that your dad had, and and you know, your mom was the was the voice of reason, and you know, it it would have also been a nice tribute to her considering she's the one cast member that really couldn't come back because she passed away.
0: See, so I disagree with that scene though, because I actually thought that his whole point was to get to there, like, oh yeah, yeah, it's hard being the ruler and stuff like that. But then you go, but then he's like, yeah, but wasn't your dad like that? Aren't you acting exactly like your dad? Your mom was. I think his intention the whole time with what he was saying is like, yeah, that's so hard. Yeah, Did yeah. You
1: think that he was setting, so he was setting him up. He was up. setting I, him up. So was, that's like, how I interpret.
0: That's how I interpreted the okay. scene.
1: Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a rewatch. I just, I don't know. It just, it, it like I said, the first time it, it, happened, I was just like, wow, that, that just really, it felt like just like this weird tacked on, thing. It, and that was kind of true for for most of the movie. It felt like just a bunch of different scenes strung together that if you had just told me that movie was just a reunion we're doing the coming to america reunion i think i would have been more forgiving towards it than telling me it's a sequel
0: okay now let me ask you this so i'm going to be, i obviously like this movie more than you did i also haven't grown sure. up with these movies i have no nostalgia i was not waiting for this movie to come out and since i right. even I was only just okay with the first one and to be honest i'm not like that much more into the second one i just like it a little bit more I think it was easier for me to go into and go like, "This is a good movie." Whereas you, sure, you basically know the first one by heart. You're waiting for years. Yeah. You heard of this announce. Do you think it could also be hurt by the fact that you had high, really high expectations coming into this versus me, who had I, none? That's, that's a great. That's a great point because it's something that I wanted to
1: point out. Is I actually went into this movie with lowered expectations, where I hoped it would be good, but I knew it most likely wouldn't be. Um, at least to me. Um, but that's also based on the fact that, you know, I, I, I saw Eddie Murphy's uh, Saturday Night Live uh, uh-huh. episode uh, that came out recently, and I that I went into going with, with high expectations, and I watched it and went, he's just not, he doesn't have it anymore. You know, it's, when you watch older Eddie Murphy movies versus newer Eddie Murphy movies, he has a very different style to him. Now I'm not saying one's better than the other. For me, I personally like the older stuff. I like coming to America and Beverly Hills Cop versus, you know, the Netty Professor or even like the Haunted Mansion or something like that. <laughs> now, there are people who like the Haunted Mansion. There are that's fine. <laughs> okay. It's, I'm sure there's there's at least five. Um Yeah, no, it's it's but there's people who like that and and that's fine because it's we're talking about something that's subjective.
0: Yeah. I I am not saying that's... your opinion is invalid just because you don't like it. I'm just saying, yeah, awesome. uh, you uh, you came into it even any kind of prejudgment, even if you if you're expecting it to suck, you're gonna like, see, this is confirming it. If something goes wrong, you're gonna jump onto that more. Or if you're excited and it's not getting that, you, if you have expectations placed on it, I think it affects your taste versus nothing.
1: Sure, and I will say that it wasn't it wasn't a terrible movie. I I mean I would give it probably a two point five or a three out of five. Um, I mean, it, it told a coherent story and stuff like that, but like every, almost every single, uh, uh, like cameo or, uh, or callback or anything like that just felt really forced and shoehorned into me where I was, there wasn't a single one that I was excited for. There wasn't a single one that I went, yay, this guy's finally showed up, you know, I'll say
0: definitely when they brought back in the rapping twins, I was like, really? Why, why do I have to do that?
1: Okay, actually, it's funny you said it, because that was the only one that made me go, huh. Like, just We're just, just on completely authentic.
0: opposites.
1: <laughs> we, are, we are absolutely oppos- opposites on this. But it's funny, because they... Funny you should mention that, because the Randy Watson uh, uh, cameo is one of my... Fu- it's one of the, those funny moments in the first one that I really like. I love the whole Randy Watson uh, uh, character. I love that whole bit with sexual chocolate and all of that. Um So the the twins cameo was the only surprise because I was like, really, we got them? Oh, okay. I wasn't expecting that. But like, even like the barbershop guys, I love the barbershop guys in the first one and the second one. I was like, okay, they were they were kind of funny, but they were just rehashing their old jokes to the point where even at the end, when he's doing uh uh, when Eddie Murphy's doing the Jewish guy at the end of the credits, I was like. Wow, we got through a whole movie without him making a velvet joke. And sure enough, the last thing he says is, what is this, velvet? Like, it it was like, wow, you guys just did the same jokes.
0: This is also a reason why it hits differently with me. I didn't, like I said, I didn't think Coming to America was a funny movie. I thought it was a pleasant movie. So, like, I didn't, those scenes never did anything for me. So I guess it didn't hurt me uh either to see it come back um it's yeah I mean I can't tell you how often like my 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 cousin
1: who's kind of a a big brother to me he he and I watch that movie all the time the number of times we would do the barbershop guys with each other and just that you know man you ain't never met no Martin Luther King knock the wind out of me like that whole thing is hysterical to us to to just see them doing the same thing but now it's like you know oh yeah because of gentrification my my brownstones worth 10 million dollars man, your brown son ain't worth no $10 million. I'm like, I saw this joke, but it was funnier in the first one. If you did different jokes, it would have been great, but they got so worried about the nostalgia factor that I felt that that was, it just made the scenes roll like an egg. Like it just didn't, it just felt kind of disjointed. If they had just told their own story without worrying about the callbacks, I think it would have been great. But at the same time, that would have also pissed people off. Like you said, you found the, the two completely different articles of, it was nothing but callbacks, and I'm glad they didn't do callbacks. Like, you can't please everyone. I completely understand that. Uh, I'm just saying, for me personally, I felt that the the trying to play into the nostalgia just felt too forced to for me. Like him, him uh, uh, wearing the clothes when he first sees his son and he's in the limo, mm-hmm. and he's, you know, uh, uh, they say, like, oh, well, no, you can't just go out there. I mean, you're the king of Zamunda now. You're highly recognizable. You know, you need to blend in. And so he's wearing the same stuff that he was wearing in the first one, yeah. To you know the the bomber jacket and the whole bit to try to blend in, and it makes him stick out even more, right? And that's the whole joke. And then the next scene is him going into the the you know apartment uh, with his you know with Leslie Jones and all that, and he's back in the king in his in his king outfit. And I'm like, so they didn't commit. Changed and changed back. Like we literally just shoehorned this thing in to say hey, remember when he dressed kind of goofy in the first one? And it did nothing for the story. Yeah, I'll agree with that one. Yeah, it just, so, I think that's the best example I have of it, but there was, there were more examples of that. I also want to point out the one thing that I couldn't believe uh, was in there, and and I don't want to play this up like it's a, like it's a major problem to me, because I get that that, uh, you know, people can take this a bit too seriously sometimes, uh, and that comedy is subjective on stuff like this but the whole idea of him of akeem being drugged up and not wanting to have sex and then he has sex like It was was weird we, we did not do there was nothing but shoulder shrugs to him being like wait i had i was date raped and i have a kid from it and we're all just going, yeah. And you should get over that and find your kid.
0: No, they bent over backwards to justify the plot that they had. They wanted to do, and it just it came it was, across bad. It came across really bad. It was rough. And there was another. There was
1: something else too that I'm trying to remember what it was. Now there was another. There was a joke that I felt was a callback to something that Bill Cosby had said, like a joke that Bill Cosby made, either in Bill Cosby himself or in the in the Cosby Show. And I was like. I'm getting a couple of Bill Cosby vibes here where it sounds like we're kind of being forgiving of him in a way with the whole drugging and date rape and
0: then this joke too and they were really close to each other but I can't remember I, what the I joke was. Don't, I feel like, I, I don't think Eddie Murphy would be forgiving of Cosby. I don't think he liked Cosby. No, 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 no. don't get me wrong because he famously like talked ill of Bill Cosby in like Eddie Murphy Raw. If yeah. You see that, he, no, I've seen it. That's, why, that's why I was him. saying I don't think he's yeah. a fan. But it was
1: just such a weird, it was just such a weird thing of like, wow, that that's really reminiscent of a Bill Cosby joke. And this is all reminiscent of a Bill Cosby situation that I'm not sure we should be talking about. It was just, it was just really weird to me. Um, That again, after just talking about kind of doing topics that make us seem more, more open and woke and stuff to then have kind of the crux of the plot is based off of date rating. No,
0: I think the problem Here. is is that Eddie Murphy is an older guy and he's trying to, uh he's trying to be, go with the times and be like that. Yes. But he still has yes. a lot of his old sense of humor in there. And that's that a problem is, because his humor has changed. It, like humor has changed since af- then. I think I it was good effort. I think it's a thing of uh,
1: it's someone who is trying to be in touch with modern society but is still gloriously out of touch yeah. with
0: it. And I applaud the still, effort. Okay, this
1: is a this is an uh, this is an Archie Bunker going back to what we were talking about before. This is an Archie Bunker situation where he's going to invite Sammy Davis Jr. into his house, and this is great. But at the same time, he's going to ask him, "Why did you choose to be a Jew?" Like it's it's a yeah. weird, it's a weird thing. I don't know. It just felt like I said I I didn't I didn't hate the movie. I just didn't I didn't think it was great. I thought it was okay. It's a, It was a fun movie for, uh, for you know, for what it was.
0: Yeah. No. I don't like. I'm defending it because you're going at it hard. I. 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 I liked it. I, I give it. Although I like it more than the first one, I still give it three and a half out of five. It was fun, but it was. It's not. Uh. It's not world changing. The one thing I. Yeah. I say that is a big mistake they made, is that they downplayed. Semi is barely in the second one, and he's my favorite I was, character. I know. And I. Even when he showed up at the end
1: with the. uh, with the fight with Wesley Snipes, who we haven't talked about Wesley Snipes at all in that movie, um, but uh, yeah, the, he showed up at the end in the fight, and I was like, "Oh, we're finally gonna get we're gonna get our Arsenio Hall scene," and then he like immediately gets knocked on his ass and gets no point. Now, if that was his his choice of a joke, great idea of I'm gonna have my big fight scene and I'm gonna take one step and get knocked on my ass, and the girls are gonna kick their asses. It didn't play like a joke. It it, It just played like an action scene. That's what I'm saying is it it was just, again, it was just really weird. I would have liked, I would have definitely liked more Arsenio Hall. um, (laughs) But more than just the, the, the crazy witch doctor character that he played. Um, Yeah, it was, I wanted more semi in there. Uh, I wanted more Lisa in there. I wanted more scenes of, of Lisa talking to Akeem and saying what, like we got one scene. She had a good like, scene
0: at the end where she was calling him out on a shit. It was a good scene where she's
1: where she's drunk and actually calling him out. Yeah. It was great. But I would have liked more of that of like, what happened to you? I wanted more character depth.
0: Yeah. No, uh, no there was very little. Also like you could tell like, okay, he's, he has like, uh, the son has like one scene with a hairdresser and you're like, okay, that's going to be his romance story.
1: We should also, we should also point out that this entire thing takes place in roughly a
0: week. Oh yeah.
1: And that that's a problem with both those time, movies. In that time, we spent, not only did we spend maybe a day in coming to America, so I'm not sure if we can, or a day in America, so I'm not sure if we can call that movie Coming to America, but we also spent, like, I think it's two trips entirely that it came to. Yeah,
0: and very fast trips. Like, those planes yeah. are super so, fast.
1: Which was just, that's what I'm saying, like, in a week, this kid found out he was royalty, found out, like, found his dad. Flies to Africa, falls in love with a hairdresser, flies back to America, and is going to elope with her. I'm
0: like, why did what? Why did this have to be in a week? There's no, you guys put that ticking. To be fair, I think it's ten days. Okay, maybe. Yeah, so you can throw in three days, it makes sense.
1: What a weird. Like, I understand movies putting in like a ticking clock, like putting in that trope of like there's a countdown to something. We've got something coming up that we're we're anticipating. I get that why did you have to make it so fast? It just seems so weird. Romance
0: is so stupid in movies. Like even if you watch something you like, like people yeah. go way too fast.
1: Yeah. it's I just don't, I don't know. They didn't like, cause that was the main thing. I love the scenes in the first one between Eddie Murphy and Lisa. Just, just them. It's the one time that, that Akeem doesn't seem like a fish out of water. Like he's just having a nice evening. Like the their whole first date together. And he's, you know, when he tells her, like, oh, yeah, I'm a goat herder and blah, 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 And, like, he's quoting Nietzsche. Like, and now in the second movie, we've just kind of forgotten all that. It, it was just weird to see, like, how he was this educated guy. And then we regressed into, no, I have to, you know,
0: I, I, I have to just be this whole. Uh, he, but they never you know, show him to be stupid. In neither movie does, does Akeem seem like a stupid person. He just, he just. Except for when he became what his dad wanted him to be, right? Except for when he stands in front. He thinks
1: the best way of stopping a taxi cab is to stand in front of it and yell halt. Now,
0: okay, the so the, the Uber thing in, in, in the second one, I thought that was kind of the funny. Uber thing made me, the
1: Uber thing made me laugh. I will say that that was it. That is a good example of a good callback because it was some. It wasn't just saying the first joke again. It was playing off of the first joke and saying, you know. I want to take it to the taxi cab. Well, no. Now it's a Lyft thing, and you got to get the app and blah blah. That was a great joke because it wasn't just the first joke again in a new setting; it was playing off of it. I liked that. Um, I liked like you know, like you said, Leslie Jones in the in the bathtub. Like as soon as there's son Oh, I didn't like that. I thought
0: that was weird.
1: As soon as as soon as he walked in and you saw her in the bathtub, you knew what's going you know, on. She's got. You knew what was going on, and you knew someone was under there, but it it added to the joke because it wasn't the See, same joke over.
0: Again. I don't like the first time when they did that in the first movie. I thought it was inappropriate, and I thought it seemed inappropriate in the second movie.
1: It's of course it's inappropriate. I'm not saying no, this for is like for the times, for the
0: no, for the times right. especially, it seems inappropriate, and I thought that was weird right. that they carried it over into the into the present. Like back then, I get yeah. it. people were always making like women were objects back in the past. That's what they acted like. But in this well, day and, and age, I mean, changing it mean, to a guy doesn't make it any better.
1: I think it's, I think the the women being objects thing is I, I completely agree with you. I mean, and that's true for any, I mean, you see it. We talked about married with children before. I mean, there's a ton of just objectifying women in, that goes all the way through the 90s. It was a very hedonistic time. I just, I feel that the, the, the problems came with just some of the jokes seemed really corny and then some of the jokes seemed like we were trying to push some, like the, i mean dude the, the 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 next door
0: country is called next doria you know what's really fucking stupid and, i didn't realize that until guy. right now <laughs> 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 Yeah,
1: the, the name of the country is next doria but we're still going to try to tell a story about how you know by the way zamunda is a really backwards country that you know no. women can't own Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. no like, it's, it's it's a weird thing of like there's you know there's a there's a way to do jokes that work for for the family i think that's that's another good point is that they were trying to make a movie that the family could sit down and watch and i know that's a big thing with eddie murphy i, I remember reading in interviews before that he wanted to make movies that his kids could see and once he had kids is when he started doing more like family type movies um, so I think that was I mean obviously he's got I think it's the middle daughter in, in the movie is his actual daughter oh I didn't know that so obviously yeah. So obviously, he wants to, to make movies that include his family and that's more power to him but you know there's a difference between doing okay now we're going to put in an adult joke and now we're going to put in the kid's joke and doing a movie that like okay this is a, a joke that is going to go over the kid's heads but the adults are going to laugh at it and then the kids jokes the adults are going to like too so it was just like like as soon as they said next doria I, my eyes were rolling and i was like really next
0: doria i don't i can accept in a fictional in a fictional city having a fictional city with a stupid name like that that's fine and in a comedy it's better than mm-hmm. uh than for, like avatar took itself seriously and the, the object they're going after was unobtainium. that's stupid for a, for a serious sci-fi yes. movie but I for can, comedy will, for comedy i can accept something stupid be, like that
1: I will completely agree with you. Now, one thing I did like, and I I will, I will call this out. um, One thing I loved in the movie was the, uh, the costumes. Uh, I think that uh, Ruth Carter just hit it out of the park. Uh, She also did the costumes for um, Black Panther. I know she worked on Dolomite is my name with, uh, with Eddie Murphy. Um, So she worked, she did uh, the costumes for Malcolm X. Like she has a history of doing, a uh, 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 good movie. I know she. I think she did. Uh, I think she did the new Roots movie as well. She does important. I think important black movies. She she has been involved in them for quite some time, and I think she just hit it out of the park. I did see a couple of uh times that the the illegitimate son was wearing uh it's like the black tunic with the gold. Mm-hmm. on it. And I was like, dude, you look you look exactly like you're just trying to be Black Panther right now, but. I don't know if that's also taken from an actual design of you know a, a type of costume from from an african uh, nation or anything like that so i don't want to just say oh they're just copying black panther i was worried you, you guys like, say
0: you look exactly like black panther but then you change it into you're trying to look like I him i was like okay he you can save yourself like,
1: there he doesn't look like black panther but when he gets his haircut he definitely looks like killmonger they gave him the exact same haircut as killmonger just with the rat tail on it i thought that was weird but no, I, I loved the costumes in the movie. Um, I mean, I like the costumes in the, in the first movie too, even though it's mostly, uh, just American, you know, casual wear. Um, but I, I thought the, the, the costumes in the second one, I, I really enjoyed them. So that's something that I, you know, almost every scene I was looking at the costumes going, Oh, that's really good. And, and you know, I mean, I, I have some history of working in costuming and stuff like that. So I, I, I feel somewhat, uh, 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 qualified to speak on it. Uh, I, I really did enjoy it. Very, very few times I look at the costumes, and go, really I chose that. Um, so yeah, that was that was my major takeaway from it. Was costumes were great. The writing was was passable, but not great. Um, I liked. I did like the scene at the beginning with Colin Jost uh, doing. That's my favorite scene in the
0: movie because uh, I, I thought would
1: say that was. It was a great way to introduce his son. Uh, that was a great way to introduce his son. Uh, Colin Jost has proven that he does he he does well with being the kind of the un, unknowingly racist foil, I guess you would say. Yeah. Uh, uh, he you know he's got a history of doing that on Saturday Night Live with Michael Che, and I think he did it great in that. Uh, again, the the whole him being a, a, a duke uh, and, and having the the Dukes be his, I think it was his uncles. Um, I thought was like okay I guess like, it felt a little shoehorned but not too bad not as bad as some of the other cameos and stuff that they did um, So I, I thought that one, that was fine. I did like that whole scene.
0: Uh, so yeah I mean there was things that I liked in the movie but there was definitely there was times I was just like what? Oh, so uh, so uh, definitive rating out of five how much do you give it?
1: Uh, like I, said, I think two I think two and a half to three stars. Uh, I think it's a fine movie for you know,
0: so at least it uh, wasn't it a total a it game. wasn't a total train wreck. No, no, no,
1: no, no, no. And I've, I've 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 seen total train wrecks and I would not put this up there with them. I yeah. think like this isn't I like when they boring. went back
0: and made Dumb and Dumber 2. Because that yeah. was that yeah. was a train wreck. This is actually this is enjoyable. Just yeah, what maybe it wasn't was, perfect. It was, there was there was a few there was a few laughs. I definitely had a few times I laughed. Even
1: just, I mean it's yeah, even even kind of gross stuff, I still kind of laughed at even when we saw the the date rape scene, I mean Leslie Jones with the candle uh, between her legs and all of that, I I actually did I think that was the first real laugh I had in the movie because it just looked goofy. Um, uh, Leslie Jones had some really funny stuff. Tracy Morgan was funny to me in it. Um, I I wanted I wanted Eddie Murphy to be funnier than he was. He just he played this. He seemed to be playing the straight man.
0: I feel like he played the straight man in the first movie too. That's why I, I don't see him that I mean, funny. He, that's why Arsenio Hall was better to me.
1: He does, but it, it depends on who he's with. Like if he's with John Amos in the first movie, like him describing football, like, did you watch the football? Oh, it was most exciting. Blah, blah, blah. That whole scene. He's definitely, yeah. you know, John Amos is the, is the straight man. So it depends on who he's with. Again, that's why I like the scenes of him with Lisa, because he's not having to be the fish out of water. Um, in this movie, he was mostly just playing the straight man. And I'm like, well, I, again, I, I think people need to remind Eddie Murphy that he's funny and he should do funny things. Um, I think you even saw kind of in the in the outtakes, you know, when they're showing the outtakes at the end and the uh, his, uh, what's his name? The guy playing his, his illegitimate son has the, the lion's whiskers. He's like, I got the whiskers. They're from a lie, and, and Eddie Murphy just looks at him and just goes, "That's me. That's you're doing my stuff." And I'm like, "I know. Why aren't you doing your stuff?" Like,
0: I thought it fit with the character. He did, he Murphy does the weird. He has he has the weird character he's playing, but he's playing. He's mostly in his ho- on his home turf, and he's playing a, yeah. a different version of the character who's aged up thirty years. I had no problem with yeah. him playing a little bit more of a straight man because it fit with the context of the movie. All right. This show is going on. I think we're reaching uh, Last of Us Part 2 levels where, we, where think, we did. I think if people had started coming to America 2 at the start of this podcast, they would have just been wrapping it
1: up right about now. So.
0: Yeah. <laughs> all right. But. Well, thank you, Gavin, so much for doing this. I yeah. will definitely have you on Always again. Pleasure. I, I know these ones going on absolutely. long, but I have a good time with the conversations. That's all that matters. Uh, so yeah. thank you again. Absolutely. I know you don't have anything to plug, so I appreciate coming on here for absolutely no reason. Except so for just yeah, to talk about shit. I really shit. don't.
1: Uh, if, if I did, you
0: know, I, man.
1: Next, tell you what. Next time, I'm gonna find out what my friends are up to,
0: and I'll just plug their stuff for them. All right. Well, I'm gonna tell you, watch the movie I recommended to you, uh, "The Skin I Live In," because yes. it's fantastic. All right, and thank I'm you, all up. five of my listeners, for listening. Uh, thank you for uh, Mark H for telling me that you're still listening. I appreciate it. If you made it even long enough into this episode to know that I'm calling out again, good on you. Uh, oh, bless you, guys. Every uh, everyone please uh, recommend my show if you, if you like this show and you have someone asking you to recommend a podcast I think I put a pretty good show together I put I put forth segments I plan things out I put a lot more effort than I see a lot of other comedians professional comedians do with their podcasts i love 10 listeners that'd be nice so if you could get the yeah. show out there to other people I'd really appreciate it so if you guys want entertainment news two weeks late Listen to Unlicensed Entertainment. Thank you. (laughs) Bye.